Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. begin the show with a public service announcement please go right ahead if you are driving a get off your phone (laughs) b take a look are your headlights on Say you sound weird in your headphones? Yes. You sound pretty weird in mine, too. <laughs> I didn't say look weird. I said sound weird. <laughs> You're looking at me. Tee-hee, tee-hee. Well, you had uh, the keeper of the big plug, Bob, yes. take a look at your headphones. Uh, yes, and all these buttons in front of me, and everything seems to be okay, right, Bob? We're, seems to be. We're copacetic, right? Yeah. We're ready for blast off. <laughs> Oh, dear. Then the pressure is on. Buckle up, everybody. It is a full moon tonight. Did you know that, Bob? Did you feel it in your bones? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I put a picture of the milky full moon. It's a tiny little moon tonight. It literally is a small full I know that sounds weird. It's a small full moon. <laughs> uh, you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny show, and you will see some of the pictures that Johnny posted of our drive-in tonight. And, yeah, the the, the small full moon. And, it's honestly. The snow moon. Snow moon. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's because it snowed. <laughs> and we're the only house on our block that has snow. Yeah. Literally. We had some running around to do on Friday. Friday morning went out. Sunny. Nice, mm-hmm. mild by Friday evening, snow yeah, on awful. our street, and, and today Actually, is still snow on our driveway. By Friday evening, it was February. 
prior to that, it was fake spring. Yeah. It was messing with us. And everybody was relaxed. And I said to you, when it was really snowing hard about 6.30 last night, there were people who left for work probably wearing jackets that were not appropriate Mm -hmm. for February weather. And they're waiting for the bus going, oh, damn. Why didn't I listen to mom all those times yep. when she said, dress for the <laughs> the month, not the weather? I, on the other hand, I was, was given the name Jacket Man by Johnny's <laughs> mom years ago. <laughs> Because in, in this kind of weather, I will always no. have in the trunk, there's uh, always a couple extra jackets. Time out. It's not this kind of weather. Well, we would go to Ravinia, and people would line up at the trunk of our car for a selection of a jacket. And we Be- made a fair amount of money that way, too. <laughs> and you would say, as long as you're not wearing cologne, you can wear my jacket. Yeah. People would not bring jackets to functions because they would say, Steve will have a jacket. That's true. And you would open the trunk and say, here, here's one for you. And everybody's wearing a black jacket. We look yep. like a gang. Everybody's wearing yep. the yeah. Bless your heart for doing that. That was very nice of you. <laughs> uh, by the way, we have twelve states. If we add Illinois, we have thirteen states listening tonight. Was oh, Illinois listening? Yeah, I oh, hope wow. so. Golly! Yes. Uh, by the way, if you're looking for the moon because it's so small, you can see the picture that I posted. The first picture that I posted uh, on our driving to work group of photos on our Facebook page. on our Facebook page. But if you're looking for the moon and because it's so small, it's only ten percent smaller than it normally is. Little tiny. If you're looking for it, it, it here's the scientific description. Okay. It is behind the hind legs. What? <laughs> what? Of Leo the Lion. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> the moon is behind the hind legs. Hey, this is science, uh-huh. Steve. Behind the hind legs of Leo the Lion, mm-hmm. and it will reach its highest point in the night. What? <laughs> Around midnight tonight. There's no good way out of this. <laughs> around midnight tonight, it will be at its highest point. So, mm-hmm. But if you don't want to go out in the cold and take a picture of it, just look at my my little tiny white dot, which is little tiny moon, right there <laughs> okay. behind Leo's hind leg. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, we have boy. a lot planned for tonight. Coming up a little later. We have a full show. We do. Oh, my gosh. We do. I'm tired. <laughs> Since we're only a couple weeks out from the Academy Awards, yep. a little later tonight, we're going to talk with uh, Dave Carger. You know him from TCM. You've mm-hmm. seen him on the Today Show on Entertainment Tonight. He has a terrific book, 50 Oscar Nights, Iconic Stars, Filmmakers on Their Career-Defining Wins. It's a wonderful book. And if you think, oh, Oscar books, there are dozens of those. He's actually come up with an angle that has not been done before. And I'm amazed that as I was looking through that, I was thinking, what took... Yeah. He talked to 50 celebrities. He Mm -hmm. interviewed them about their big night, all the way down to their speech and what they wore Mm -hmm. and who, you know, all the little minutiae, the behind the scenes that we... What the reaction uh, to it was of where the Oscar is now living. Yes, I love that. So it's a a beautiful book, too. So he'll join us a little later. Also a little later tonight, we're going to reconnect with a longtime friend, Megan McDonough, Mm -hmm. a Chicago talent uh, known nationally, and she has some new concerts coming up. She's going to be doing a, a special show about the music of... Uh, Hal David and Burt Backrack. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with that. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, a little later, also, Patrick Crispin, our uh, computer guru, joins us. We will talk about, among other things, the AT&T outage, landlines. 
Well, before we take a break, Bob, keeper of the big plug, do you have a theory on the outage, the AT&T outage? Not that one, no. No, you don't, I, uh, you're not buying into maybe a sunspot because there'd been that theory? No, because no. the sunspot, it, it can't be that selective. It would have affected oh. all. Not, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Because some people are saying, oh, sunspot my eye. It's more yeah. like a software glitch, and you're just not mm. fessing up to that. Well, look how long it took. Uh, you know, look how long it took the hospital to admit that they had. Yeah. It wasn't a software glitch, and yeah. and they're still not over. No, it's which is really, so. This is how many weeks now that uh, Lurie has been dealing with right? that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, really. Well, that's just part of what we have uh, going on tonight, and you can connect with us. You can. Uh, Give us a call, or you can text us at 312-981-7200. And uh, we got a lot more coming up, so stick around and let's find out what it'll be. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. So Friday, we had to be up early. We had some early morning appointments. But the uh, carrot at the end of the stick was we got home and cranked on the TNV and there was spring training Cubs versus Sox and yeah. baseball back. Yeah. And that part of it was good. Mm. But there's some, some controversy. Well, actually, it was good until they started playing. Well, there was that. Yeah. <laughs> Says like, the White Sox fan. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. your point is Well, that? yeah. <laughs> well, the Sox did win today, but they tried to lose about a half dozen times. They tried so hard to lose. They would be leading. I, I think it was a well-played game. It was. Though. It was a well-played game. The final score was 8-7. to seven, And yesterday, the Cubs did win. Ron Brown over in the newsroom, a uh, uh, the Cubs fan. Yes. Longtime Cubs fan. Representing the Cubs. So, the a little bit of controversy surrounding the start of baseball. And I didn't really have it jump out at me the way I did last week as we were preparing for baseball. And it's the controversy, quote-unquote, around their new uniforms. Mm-hmm. Last week, as we were building up to the start of baseball, there's, oh, the... I guess the players were legitimately upset by their uniforms. They didn't like, and if you haven't noticed, maybe now you'll notice that there is a big difference with the way their names look on the back of their jerseys. Mm-hmm. And th- I, I think it's a given. That's a big deal when you go pro and you get your jersey. Yeah. Right, Ron? You would think that's huge. You yeah. get your jersey. Yeah, yeah, it's a big thing. It's a big moment, and you see something. It, it almost looks a little little league. I mean, <laughs> exactly. It, it's when, like the moon. Bad little league because it is literally smaller printing. Yes, and uh, it is. It's 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 noticeable, and it doesn't. It, no one was crying out for that to change. No one said we need to make the letters smaller because <laughs> you know uh, because I mean Pete Crow Armstrong has a long name. Yes, but he's uh, you know a rarity. So well, his actually goes under his arms yeah his, his I mean, name is going to circle hump around his back and go under his arms yeah, that's a long no- name so maybe they you know, needed it for that but for most players names there wasn't a need for a change but baseball has been doing that lately there's even though there hasn't been a need for a change they're changing things well they the players were also upset because they liked the fact that their numbers had weight to them mm-hmm. i know that might sound weird but their numbers had top stitching embroidery stitching 
to hold the numbers in place. And some players are saying they look like they're ironed on now. It looks like something you would get. Uh, <laughs> one of the players said, it looks like I went to Walmart and bought my jersey. Oh, wow. You know, this is not good. <laughs> no. no I've, I've got several uh, Major League jerseys. You know, you collect them. And mm-hmm. uh, and some of them are game-worn. And, yeah, they are, they're heavy. And uh, it feels nice. It feels Major League. Well, I guess uh, Major League Baseball said when the controversy first erupted, oh, these are going to be cooler for the players. So they're not going to have to wear them in October? (laughs) (laughs) Good question. Most of them won't. (laughs) The players that were pictured for their, I I guess they have a sit-down profile picture that's taken before the start of spring training with these uniforms carefully sitting down carefully there are pictures that you can see online where there are parts of their body that are blurred out in the picture because you can see through their pants and you can see in a lot of the pictures you can see their shirts Perfectly into their pants. And and you can see, well, I wanted to say it was panty line, but you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good thing. And you can see those that don't wear them because they're saying their pants are too tight. And the question is, how did they not know that? Yeah. How did they not know? I mean, I think it's it's obvious. It's as simple or as complicated as why ask the people that are actually going to be using them or yes. wearing them? Much yes. like years ago when they spent $900 on new chairs in the <laughs> studio and didn't ask one person who was going to be using those chairs. And every person that sat down on the chairs went, how am I supposed to scoot up under the control board? I can't because the chair won't go that far. Oh, these are $900 chairs, but 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 I can't sit in that chair. So that we would haul chairs in from the cafeteria. Yeah, literally. Push, push the $900 chair away. Well, baseball is saying, and, and today they actually went so far as to say there's been no change, which is crazy because you can look at the pictures and see the change. Um, Nike is the company behind them. We were talking with Colin off the air about this, and you said the company that handled them before, Majestic, was that Majestic the Apparel. Yeah, they. I was just reading actually, and in 2019, Nike partnered with MLB, announced a 10-year deal reportedly valued at more than a billion dollars. Oh, hmm. replacing Majestic Athletic, which was the original, which was the previous yeah. uh, uniform distributor and those are the uniforms that i like remember growing up and be like i want one right because like you mentioned the stitching everything felt real everything felt official and like the pants you were just saying they're see-through how are you gonna slide and not tear a hole in them it's gonna make baseball interesting i'm there for it who wants to listen on the radio i'm watching on tv more fans more fans (laughs) well it doesn't sound to me like nike is being you know uh transparent in uh no yeah they are (laughs) (laughs) well and they're they're actually passing the buck because they hired the company the fanatics company to make them so they subcontracted but i I had not heard the figure of a billion yeah that's stunning if you're gonna pay a billion dollars to be the the brand that represents the MLB, why are you paying someone else to make them for you? Yeah, subcontracting. Yeah, yeah. And and they say that the the jerseys, as they are made now, with the smaller numbers and and the, uh, well, not stitched on numbers like they used to be, will still run you two to $300 a jersey as a fan. Shrinkflation. (laughs) Shrinkflation, that's right. (laughs) Absolutely. But I think you raise a really good point. When they start sliding into bases... 
Yeah. What is going to happen? Come on. They'll really be see-through. They'll really be see-through. But I, I imagine that that's going to be fixed. It has to be. I mean, because you look at it, it seems like a mistake. They could not yeah. have intended for them to be see-through. I mean, you yeah. really can't believe that. So they, they, they're going to have to change that. And yet they went on record as saying that there's no difference. And every picture you look at, you have to go, what? I trust my eyes. Y- yes. yes. May yes. I sincerely say, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, sir. <laughs> well deserved, too. <laughs> right. Well, baseball started. It feels a little bit like spring in the air then. Yes. Right? Oh, it feels great. Yes. Some year, I want to go to spring training. Have you ever been to spring training, Ron? No, I haven't. And I'm just like you. Let's go together. Let's get yeah. a road trip. Bobby, you ever been to spring training? You never worked it? You, no, you're the football no. guy. Yeah, it's football. <laughs> You'd rather be out there in the snow, right? Well. <laughs> yes. Colin, you ever been to spring training? I have. I was really. I was like nine or ten, and I remember catching a uh, Rob Makoviak foul ball mm. when he was on the White Sox. He's an Oaklawn native, and mm-hmm. like that's my memory of spring training. Well, that's but I huge. haven't been since. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, what was the location? Um, it was. I think it was the the original White Sox spring training. Was that in Florida? I think it was in Arizona. It was mm-hmm. Arizona. Well, he's young, so yeah, it was still okay. Arizona. <laughs> Although we should explain that uh, Colin is playing the part of Julian tonight because mm-hmm. Julian had a family function that he was photographing. Yes, and he sent us a beautiful picture of his his new car. Yes, he did, because he misses being here on a Saturday yes. night. You he's know, a good guy. Yeah, being a young guy, he wants to hang out with us on a Saturday exactly. night. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and talk about see through pants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. We're going to take a break. Uh, Hey, relax, everybody. We got our shout outs coming up. We got a whole bunch of things to talk about tonight. A listener wants you to know, Steve, that he's like you. He always carries a selection of jackets, winter and spring and summer in the car. Steve is a year round kind of guy. Six is the norm. And I have, uh, depending on the season, it's summer black, winter black, fall black. And people think that that's a joke. But there really is a summer black. Yeah. And I'll never complain about that because there's nothing easier than doing laundry when everything is black. I just take his clothes and it's all black. And then you'll say to me... And if it's new and it bleeds into something else, it's okay. like, who cares? That's We're right, good. yes. I'm blaming it on that little full moon, okay? Okay. And everything's going to be blamed on that tonight. Right. Robert Downey Jr. is going through the uh, Screen Actors Guild, the awards. Mm-hmm. And I had to see what some of the outfits look like. And I said to you, wow, I still can't get used to the look of wearing a tuxedo without socks. Yeah, I... <sighs> A couple of guys. Or it's just the idea of, of shoes without socks. I'm sorry. I've, oh. I'm, I'm not there. I will never be there. I'm not wearing socks. No, I never wear socks. I hate to wear socks. They, they, they make me feel claustrophobic. Well, now you could wear a tuxedo without well, socks. I probably could, okay. yeah. but I I just think it is kind of a, an odd look. But there's some fabulous tuxedos. And uh, the dude from The Bear that mm-hmm. you know everybody's talking about him yeah i'm forgive me because i just forgot his name but he's wearing white from head to toe and does not look like a good humor man he just looks good really good okay. robert downey jr is wearing this amazing jacket it's a tuxedo jacket that when he puts his hands in his front pockets he still has his jacket going down the front so he's got these vents that open up that allow him to slip his hands in his pocket i know okay somebody worked really hard to you know 
Tuxedo jackets have been the same for hundreds of years, but we're going to make it look different for you, Robert Downey Jr. But hmm. big night for him, too. Well, good. And these awards sometimes predict what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think people take an average of this and the BAFTAs that just happened about, right. what, a week or so ago? Right. And uh, so Oppenheimer is kind of looking good. Yes, absolutely. Jeremy Allen White was the name I was looking for. The dude wearing white from head to toe. Mm-hmm. Duh. Uh, from the bear. And we've never seen the bear. And I know the bear is, you it gets, know. Uh, people yeah, love it. People who watch it go. Bob, have you ever watched the bear? No. 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 Okay. Colin? Um, Colin, are you a bear fan? Um, It's intense. Really? Yeah, it's an intense show. It's like. Good intense, like, bad intense. It's um, for people that I know that have worked in kitchens and have been a line cook. They say it's like almost like trauma inducing because it's like they're at work because it's mm-hmm. so fast paced and so mm-hmm. aggressive that mm-hmm. if you aren't used to that kind of like intensity, then it's just not for you. Sometimes I feel like the the intensity is it's fake. Well, you know, they, I've got to yell at my staff so that they understand that I am the boss here. I, I, I think we tuned into one of those TV uh, cooking you shows. You couldn't stand one, it. You said, and no. I literally, it yeah. was before the first break. I said, I'm out of here. I can't Why stand Why anyone this. would want to spend time with someone constantly yelling at them. And we've known several people, we know several people that manage restaurants. Mm-hmm. It ain't like that. I'm thinking of uh, uh, our friend uh, Hillary. Yes. Down in Florida. Of course, we're not in the back room, so we don't know what's going on. But she never yelled. No, I can't imagine. And and then at... uh, Oh, Steve from Rosebud. Steve from Rosebud. In Munster. He's just so calm. And uh, and for years at Outback. Oh, and then, of course, the the old Sabatinos, Angelo and Enzo. We're working and these the tables. Are, these are and, longtime friends of ours. And, and wait, wait, time out. They weren't chefs. They were actually the, the front-end people. So maybe that's different than being in the kitchen. But we've never, ever known that. I mean, no. the, I'm sure at some point somebody does something wrong and somebody yells at them. But not for this to be the, the norm atmosphere yeah. for going to work. No, I'm sorry. Well, I worked uh, as a waitress for years it was in the 70s and the big difference back then so it may be high energy and it may be stressful now it was incredibly mellow because to be honest with you the cooks were all stoned and they took breaks to go out back and get a little bit more stoned and come back so you'd have to stand on your side of the window and say hey hey i really need that food oh Oh, okay. We're doing food yeah. tonight? Wow, <laughs> far up. Yeah. It was very challenging. It was very quiet and very mellow and very frustrating on our end because we would have, there were times when we'd have to beg for the food because the guys were just so mellowed out, you know? And, <laughs> and they might say that was to deal with the stress of their job. Or it's just because yeah, it's it was. That's a good excuse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> So the bear did win actor in a comedy series. Do you agree it's a comedy? That's kind of a weird category. Sounds like a pretty intense comedy. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say it's like I wouldn't yeah. say it's a comedy. There are some very real moments in that show that 
it would it's not quite a drama, but I wouldn't put it in the yeah, comedy category. I sure wouldn't either. So it it's in the comedy category. I'm trying to see if there's anything that we watch and I can't believe it. And we do watch television, but but uh, no. We don't watch Succession. We've never watched Succession. I think the the things that we watch never get nominated. <laughs> And, and it, they last and if one we're lucky, season. they'll stay more because, than one season. But. Because we say, oh, we really like this, and we turned around yeah, and go away. Yeah, it's a kiss of death. It's gone. Yeah. Wow. Uh, just a couple more. And we're going to be talking about the Oscars coming up in just a little bit because of this terrific new book. And you're right. Uh, a lot of people look to the SAG Awards and say, well, this is the precursor to what's going to happen at the Oscars. And SAG and BAFTA. I don't yeah. think Golden Globe so much. Well, I think there was a time when the Golden Globes might have. Uh, but, but not in yeah. recent years. Yeah. But this is the 30th annual Screen Actors Guild Awards. Uh, and we've, we've been members of the union for some time, but we've never been voting members yeah. of uh, SAG and AFTRA. Um, so it looks like um, Oppenheimer is kind of at the top of the heap. And Barbara Streisand accepted a Lifetime Achievement Honor, uh, which I'm sure was a moment because she's coming off of the thousand-page biography that she's written, and she's done a few Mm-hmm. Sit downs. The thing that she did with Stephen Colbert was kind of awkwardly uncomfortable. Yeah, it was odd. Yeah, it was odd. So I'll be interested to see how she handled her lifetime achievement award. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think anything that we watch was was no, up for it. No. But speaking of things we watch, mm-hmm. we had uh, we were out at my brother's in in Munster for a couple of days mm-hmm. uh, earlier this week, and. We watched something that we had heard was really good because of the actress who is in it, who is in one of our favorite shows, Not Dead Yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm blanking out on her name. Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez. What and a the, talent she is. But the movie is called Players. And she was one of the producers. Oh. So we went to this thinking, oh, well, we like her yes. a lot. And she's producing this. And it's yes. getting rave reviews. This is possibly one of the few things that roughly 15 minutes into the mission, all three of us said, no, do you, everybody turned to everybody else and said, do you really want to stay with this? The people, and we all said, she no. and every character and she played, I thought it was going to be great because she plays a sports writer. Yeah. I thought, oh, this is fun. It's where they hang out at the bar, all the writers for this newspaper. They were the most unlikable human beings. I literally, I, I'm this is at, not a generational thing. No, this was, no, they don't want to know these people. Oh, no, nope, sir. And we love her and really yeah. came to it with high expectations. Yeah. Maybe if we came to it with lower expectations <laughs> yeah, and right. if we didn't like her, maybe we would have liked <laughs> I don't, know. I don't think so. No, yeah. it was just, it was not good. And it, let me say, though, if you're looking for a good sitcom, Not Dead Yet is brilliant. It's wonderful. It really is. So. We're going to take a break. And then th- there are some shouts that need to be yes. Uh, done. Yes, yes, yes. So that will come up uh, after this. Stick around. Well, you know you make me want to kick my Come on. 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 Come on.
Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio, the Isley Brothers and Shout. And uh, I think that means we're going to have some shout-outs because we have a ton of people listening <laughs> tonight do. from all over the planet. Yes, and let me do a quick count here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 states are tuning in tonight. And uh, I really appreciate that, man. And if I miss you forgive me but i'm looking at four different places for the places that people are posting hey i'm out here listening to you tonight so and we do appreciate that but first of all steve we have to start with stacy and algonquin and stacy you need to know that listeners are actually texting to say tell stacy i said hi <laughs> so <laughs> Some night we're going to have to get Stacy on the phone to yeah. find out what her story is because a couple of listeners said, "Oh, and by the way, tell Stacy I said hi." So, all right, uh, here we go uh, from the top. By the way, uh, before you get to, to all that, uh, speaking of texts, mm-hmm. thank you to uh, the texter who said Gordon Ramsay was the guy I was thinking. Oh, of course, but you blacked him out of your mind, yeah, because he makes you so crazy. Yes. Yes. And uh, another texter said that you're the Johnny Cash of WGN. You've always been the WGN Johnny Cash. Yes, always. (laughs) Our man in black. Okay. uh, In here right away, about uh, 24 hours ago, was Patrice Tentari. She's one of our top fans, and she is so kind. And we do appreciate your tuning in, Patrice. Uh, Gary Gray is in Lisbon, Wisconsin. Chuck Snitchler. I always say he is the number one fan of this radio station and friend to this station because Mm -hmm. he does so many things for us online. He ordered food tonight when he went to pick up his food. His name was Shep. Snitchler. And I just love that. You get Chuck become Shep. And it wasn't at a Starbucks either. So would that be a blues singer or a country Shep, singer? Shep Snitchler. It's a country guy. Yeah. It's got to be a country name. Yeah, here's, here's Shep Snitchler. <laughs> yes. Kevin Roush is tuned in. Gene Jacobson is in Milwaukee. Mary Gold is in Tinley Park. Christine Failings in Plainfield listening on her Sea Crane radio ready to roll. Bobby Danos and Al are listening to us from the Sandwich Mountain Manor in Sandwich, Illinois. Leona Young is tuned in. She loves the Oscars, so she's looking forward to that conversation. Linda Moeller is in Oklahoma. The panhandle of Fred Hussar is listening. Um, Jeff Prinson is in Utsburg, O-O-S-T-B-U-R-G. I don't know. Utsburg, Wisconsin. Listening on the internet. Nor Rosansky's in Aurora. Nancy Holland is tuned in. Happy it's a full show tonight. Celine Ellers. Tracy Douglas is in Savannah, Georgia. Eric Baum is in Wells Beach, Maine, listening on the WGN app. Diane Vasquez is tuned in, and she's the one that does those great little um, uh, graphic... Yeah, cartoony she, things. She, she did a wonderful Valentine's Day yes. graphic for us. Thank and you, she, Diane. She's done a spring, uh, think spring for us tonight. Uh, Karen Finn is in DeKalb. Peter Jakubowicz is in Citrus County, Florida, tuned in. Ellen Maria is behind the Cheddar Curtain. Uh, Delphine Behrman is listening in Chicago. Woohoo! We're getting out to Chicago. We are. John Couture is in Warren, Michigan. Bonnie Pearson's in Gray's Lake. Jan Richardson also in in Chicago, Robin Aiken in Port Charlotte, Florida, Kristen Kirk in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Beverly Goodall in Highwood, Judy B is on her Sea Crane radio listening in Oaklawn, Susan Powell is in Memphis, Michael Ewing, Memphis. that's Memphis. Thank you very much. Michael Ewing is in New Jersey, 
Sharon Malone is in K-Town, listening on her boombox. Susie Schimmel's in Glen Ellen. Janet Gellert is in Gainesville, Florida. Elizabeth Roth in Lafayette, Indiana. Helen Thomas is tuned in from K-Town. Shelbyville, Tennessee. Yay! Tennessee, well represented tonight. Mary Vance is listening. That's Mary Ellen Vance. Nancy Taffy's in West Allis, Wisconsin. Lori Miller is in Willowbrook. And Lori Miller, uh, actually, uh, Jan Richardson uh, <laughs> says, Who is this Stacy? <laughs> we don't know, Jan, but we know it's important that she hears her name on the mm-hmm. radio. And just a couple more. Scott is in South Dakota. Marge Ritchie is tuned in. Thank you, Marge. Mike and Lois in Orlando. Rita Ragey is in Fort Worth, Texas. George Clements is in Augusta, Georgia. Janet Gellert's in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, Susan Powell, I mentioned, is in Memphis. Um, Oh, Amy Hoffmeister is in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Dean is in Indy. Bonnie's in Butternut, Wisconsin. Robin in Dyer, Indiana. And Gina is in Colorado. And an 847 area code said that they are listening to us from Elgin. And we thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Oh, also, Waukesha is listening. And and did we mention uh, Randall in uh, Paducah, Kentucky? No, because he just now chimed in. Randall from Paducah, Kentucky is listening in tonight. And um, a couple of people are sharing some of their memories of spring training when the station used to carry the Cubs. Yeah. And um, how crazy it was when various staff members like spike odell would go to spring training and Mm -hmm. bob collins would just live for the day when he could call spike in the middle of the night and wake him up and wake the whole family up and so great memories thank you guys for checking in with those yeah it's just kind of fun to to listen to and watch spring training baseball yeah well it's it's like there is hope regardless of the fake spring there is hope Yes, the fake spring. And this month is almost over. This is our last Saturday night show for February. Later on tonight, we want to talk to you if you are a leaper or are you a leapling. Maybe if you're a male, you're a leaper. And if you're a female, you're a leapling. Those are the people born on the 20th on on 29th of February. Yeah. Yeah. And, And for some reason, my mind went to Marvel Comics because... And maybe someone can check me on this. I believe for a short period of time, there was a Marvel comic character called the Leaper. Mm. And he did just that. He, he his, his superpower was he <laughs> leapt all over the place. I don't know why he did that, okay. but, but that's what he did. If you're planning on having a party for a Thursday for Leap Day, you should have frog or rabbit, I'm told. Because they leap. They leap. Yeah. I'm okay. like, really? That's kind of uh, obvious. Um, why not kangaroo? Uh, okay. I mean, come on. <laughs> it is the rarest birthday with only one in roughly every 1,460 being born on the 29th of February. The second most rare or rarest birthday is Christmas Eve. Really? And I feel like I know people. On Christmas Eve, yeah. I don't know anybody on February 29th. Uh, it is it's one of the least popular months for births. February is one of the least popular months for births. Because and it's so short? I don't know. Go back nine months and find out what people were doing <laughs> nine months ago. That's what you need to do. Um, every year, now here are the rules for leap year, just in case you're not sticking There are around. leap year rules? Yeah. Every year that is exactly divisible, divisible, divisible? 
divisible. Divisible. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. I'm looking and going, that's not right, divisible. Divi- or divisibly divisible. Divisible by, listen, this is important. Okay. Every year, because I didn't know this till I started researching leap year today. Every year that is exactly divisible by four is a leap year, except for years that are exactly divisible by 100. Are you all following me? <laughs> uh-huh. What? <laughs> but these centurial years... Are leap years if they are exactly divisible by four hundred? My head is. I don't see anybody shaking their head like, "Yeah, I'm getting this." Uh, For example, the year seventeen hundred, eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred are not leap years, but the year sixteen hundred and two thousand are leap years. So there, that's me slapping my phone closed. There you have it. Everything you need to know. (laughs) Divisible by four. I didn't know that. I just figured. You know, some at some point somebody said we are going to be really screwed up if we don't add an extra day. We're going to be completely out of sync. So let's just randomly throw in an extra day. <sighs> so we're going to talk to you later tonight. If you were a leaper, if you were born on leap year, if you weren't born, we're not going to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> if you were born on February 29th in particular. So if you went back nine months, that would be the month of. Uh, <laughs> from May? February? Would that be May? April. April? Four? Eight? No. Well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> We're actually hurting ourselves. <laughs> that, that, that would, no. We're looking. You should see his checkbook. Oh, it's sad. Hey. Well? My checkbook actually has the exact number. I know. I know. As opposed to someone in the studio who rounds things off to the next highest number. Highest. That's the important thing. It has to be the highest uh-huh. number. You're never short in your bank account then. Right. Seriously. Uh-huh. Those pennies add up. Sure. So if it is over 50, I go to the next highest number. If you it's under... always have separate checking accounts. <laughs> and that's why we've been successfully married for 40 years, or at least married for 40 years. Yes. Right? <laughs> You can get to us, 312-981-7200. We're going to talk with a guy that I'm really looking forward to, uh, Dave Carger. You've seen him on TCM, on Entertainment Tonight, on the Today Show. He has a terrific book, 50 Oscar Nights, Iconic Stars and Filmmakers on Their Career-Defining Wins. It, it's a... It's a terrific book. It is. It's a beautiful book, too. Yeah. It's a big, beautiful book. And, and this is one of those... Why did no one ever do this before? Mm-hmm. It's really well written. It's uh, well put together. So, so we're going to talk about that uh, a little later. And um, we will also a little later uh, have Megan McDonough in with us. And uh, then and, Patrick Christman. Yeah, computer stuff. So if you've got questions, too, for computers, our computer guy, you can text those to us. But right now, we're going to take a break. And we'll be right back here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putnam at WGN Radio. In just a few weeks, you will be hearing that Oscars mm-hmm. theme as uh, people around the world tune in to the Oscar telecast. That music makes my heart just pound. <laughs> now, full disclosure. Yes. When we have a guest on, we try to read the book. Yes. 
Johnny and I have not read all of this book because we've been fighting back and forth. <laughs> I get it, then you get it, then back to my side, and I say, have you read? Then have you? Yes. it. I know there are a lot of books that have dealt with the subject of the Academy Awards, the Oscars, but none of them have been like this new book that our guest has written. It's a beautiful book. Dave Carger is our guest. He's movie historian, journalist. You see him on Turner Classic Movies. He's a host on GCM. And now he's the author of this book called 50 Oscar Nights, Iconic Stars and Filmmakers on Their Career-Defining Wins. And Dave, thank you for joining us tonight on WGN. It's great to meet you both, and thank you so much for the kind words about the book. I really appreciate that. Well, I'm not kidding you. That, it's it's legitimate. This is a wonderful book that every single person listening to us should buy. It belongs in their collection. <laughs> Even if you don't like movies, buy the book. It's wonderful. <laughs> so let's talk about you, you you writing the book. You've been covering movies for since you were a young man. It's been like 25 years, right, Dave? That's right. I'm 50 years old, and I've been a film journalist for probably almost 30 years, mm. first at Entertainment Weekly magazine, and then now at Turner Classic Movies, also on the Today Show. The Oscars is really my passion, and that's yeah. why I wrote this book. You've worked the red carpet, too, for many years, right? Yes, I was the uh, official red carpet greeter, which was the person who does the interviews over the loudspeaker for the fans and the bleachers. I did that for a couple of years. I've gotten to co-host the official red carpet show. I've been to the Oscars about seven or eight times over the years. I just love the whole ceremony of it all. I'm dying to know about how you came to write the book, because you talked to 50 people who actually won an Oscar, and uh, the way I look at it, it's like 40 of them are what we would consider A-list stars, is that right? That was certainly my goal. So yes, I have people like Meryl Streep, Julia Roberts, Elton John, John Legend, Whoopi Goldberg, Mel Brooks, winners from the 1960s all the way through today. Uh, and they populate the pages of this book. And for the book, I did new interviews with all 50 of these winners. But to your point, I also wanted five or ten people in there that maybe most readers had not heard of. There's a great guy named Kevin O'Connell, yes. who's mm-hmm. a sound mixer, and he finally won an Oscar in 2017 after being nominated and losing 20 times. Unbelievable. And he went... Every single time he was nominated, he went, and for 35 years, he was the person clapping for someone else, and he tells the story of what it was actually like to be a surprise winner uh, after 20 losses, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. Can I take you back to the, to, to the basics of how you got this idea? Because one of the things that Johnny and I were talking about, this is one of those, duh, why didn't somebody do this before? How did you come up with the idea, and when you did... Uh, how long did it take before you said, yeah, I'm going to do this thing? Well, we at TCM publish about three or four books a year with the TCM logo on the cover, like Mm -hmm. my book has, about different facets of classic film. The book publisher that we work with called Running Press and the people at TCM came to me about two years ago and said, would you be interested in writing a book? Something I'd kind of uh, haven't been sure about it, that idea in the past, but it just felt right. So this was actually my idea. I've been interviewing Oscar contenders and Oscar winners for the better part of my career, and I love books about the Oscars, but I never found one that came at the Oscars from this kind of more personal, emotional, intimate angle. So that was my goal with these interviews. And to answer your question, the whole process took seven months. 
from reaching out to the first people and doing all 50 of the interviews and writing the book. But it was a joy to sit with people like Mel Brooks and Joel Gray and Lee Grant, Estelle Parsons. I tried to get as many of the classic era people in there as I could, Mm -hmm. along with the true A-listers like Nicole Kidman and Sally Field and Jane Fonda and Michael Douglas. I'm not just blowing smoke, but you are a great writer. One of the things that I love about this book is it is so accessible. You can come to this book knowing nothing about the subject or the people, and the way you explain it, it, it is so, it's like you're inviting us into your living room to, to share in these conversations. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. I, the writing part of it, so I every person's chapter is either four or six pages. It starts off with an introduction that I wrote just to kind of tee up the rest of the chapter, which is that person's first-person account of what happened to them the day that they won their Oscar. A little bit of the backstory of the film that they won for, but also really mainly uh, hour-by-hour account, really, of the day. What they decided to say, who they went with, in some cases what they wore, how they celebrated, and what it means to them all these years later. Mm-hmm. And where they keep their Oscar. I love that little yeah. piece of, of minutia. <laughs> the fact that, you know, there were some that said, well, I, I felt like I was showing off, so I didn't want to leave it out. That seemed so so ostentatious. But then there are those that say, hey, hell yes, I earned this. I'm putting it out there to, for it to be seen. You're right. I mean, I really feel like I got every possible answer to that question, and I asked all 50 of the people, and all 50 of their answers are in this book, from I keep it out proudly in such and such a place to I kept it in a cardboard box for years until someone encouraged me (laughs) to take it out, to even Louis Gossett Jr., who says he doesn't even want his anymore. He wants to donate it, so he's Mm -hmm. rid of it in a way. So I got every possible answer to the question. What was it, uh, I believe, Rita Moreno, whose husband said, what, you didn't buy this, you earned it. Leave yes, it out. Yes. Yes, she's one of the people who had it in a cardboard box, just kind of in storage or in a garage. And when she married her husband, he said, why are you doing this? Just exactly what you said. You earned this. You should keep it out. So now, of course, she's an EGOT. She's got two Emmys, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. So she keeps all of her awards proudly displayed now. Now, had you interviewed Rita Moreno before you interviewed her for the book? No. So of the 50 people in the book, 15 of them were people I had never met before. So Mel Brooks, uh, Lee Grant, Estelle Parsons, Rita, John Legend I had never met. Hmm. So to interview Rita Moreno was a true thrill. She's been a big supporter of ours at Turner Classic Movies for many years, but I had never gotten the chance to meet her. And now I've interacted with her and encountered her a few times, and we text now. <laughs> now oh. the book is out, and uh, she really likes it. So it's that's been a great byproduct of this whole experience. It's like I made some new friends out of it. Yeah. Well, speaking of friends, I was kind of wondering how you chose out of these 50 people who to start the book with. And I'm going to take a wild guess and say it's because you are or were or still friends with Nicole Kidman. Is that how come she opens the book? So two people that I probably know the best out of the 50 in the book, I would say, are Nicole Kidman and Elton John, which sounds so strange for me to even (laughs) say that out loud. But they are people I do consider friends. Uh And when I 
when I started to embark on this project, I did reach out to them at the outset, and they both signed on to be in the book from the very beginning, which was so helpful because then when I was reaching out to all of the other people, I could say in the email, if you were to choose to be involved in this book, you would be alongside Nicole mm-hmm. Kidman and Elton John. Uh-huh. So I did start with the two of them partially to kind of thank them in a way, although they also are acknowledged in the acknowledgments in the back of the book for doing that. But also they're two of the biggest names in the book. And I also thought their stories were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman, is her chapter is fascinating about all the different mixed emotions that she was going through uh, when she won her Oscar for the hours. Mm-hmm. And, and I love Elton's reaction to, well, I don't really think this was the song that I should have won this for. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So he, when he won for The Lion King, he actually had three nominations that year in the best song category. Can You Feel the Love Tonight, Circle of Life, and Hakuna Matata. Can You Feel the Love Tonight is a song that won, but he thinks that Circle of Life is the one that should have won. Mm-hmm. He's not ungrateful. He's thrilled to have the Oscar, <laughs> but he does think that Circle of Life was the song that kind of uh, is more emblematic of the movie The Lion King in general. We are talking with Dave Carger about his new book, 50 Oscar Nights, Iconic Stars and Filmmakers on Their Career-Defining Wins. And seriously, it takes you behind the scenes, these really intimate moments that people are talking about on that day when they were going to go and accept their Oscar. You have uh, become familiar with Dave on TCM. By the way, if you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show, you will see that uh, we're putting up a link to where mm-hmm. you can buy the book. Yep. You can do that. And um, we got a lot of ground to cover with Dave because he had the wonderful experience of interviewing these 50 people about their big night. Dave, was there anybody that you interviewed after being on the red carpet, after doing hundreds of appearances on the Today Show, after doing what you do on TCM? Was there anybody that you were scheduled to interview and you realized, oh, my gosh, I'm nervous. I'm really nervous about this. There's two. Mel Brooks. That was very exciting for me. Um, He's someone who I just think is one of the most brilliant performers, writers, directors ever. And I had never interviewed him before. And, you know, also some of these people, six of the 50, are in their 90s. So I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure what their recall would be of, of events that happened 50, 60 years ago. Mel Brooks's recall was so great. He was so funny. He lived up to any expectation I could have had. And I also was very nervous to interview John Legend just because oh. I never met him before. And I'm such, I know you both are music heads like yeah. myself. I was, I'm such a fan of his. I love The Voice, the show that he's on. So sure. Yeah. A little bit nervous to meet him, and he was great. Oh, he was so good. And in fact, music was a, a true love of yours even before you decided that movies would be the way your your life would go, right? That's exactly right. I mean, I was a kid at age four and five who collected 45 records of Paul Simon and 10CC <laughs> and Joe Jackson and Chicago. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I know I know you have a history with Peter Cetera, Steve, am I right? <laughs> yep, you do, you're correct. Right, so, Baby, what a big surprise was a, was on heavy rotation on my Mickey Mouse record player when I was like three or four years old. I thought it was about a surprise party because I was three or four. I, I oh. took the words very literally. Um, but anyway, yeah, so music was a, a big love of mine, and I started playing piano at the age of eight and took lessons for 13 years. And then it wasn't until a couple of years later that film and TV became as much of a, a passion for me. And that's one of the things I love about working at TCM is I get to introduce a lot of movie musicals and combine my love of movies and music whenever I could. But in the book, 50 Oscar Nights, I definitely wanted to include 
a lot of music-related people. So that's why you see not only Melissa Etheridge and John Legend and mm-hmm. Elton John and Keith Carradine in there, but also some composers like Alan Menken or songwriters like uh, Kristen and Bobby Lopez, who wrote Let It Go from mm-hmm. Frozen. So yeah. uh, it was really fun for me to have some musicians sprinkled in there along with the movie stars and directors. Maybe an odd question, but I'm curious. Who was the easiest for you to interview. And I say that because anytime you're going to be interviewing someone, particularly if you're meeting them for the first time, you have to, there's a little bit of a a dance back and forth. You get to know each other before you kind of feel comfortable. So who was the right off the bat easiest person for you to talk to? The person that springs to mind from that question, which I have not been asked, is Marley Matlin. And she's someone that I hesitated to reach out to because the movie she won her Oscar for, Children of a Lesser God, is one of my all-time favorite films. And I knew a little bit of the backstory of her very tumultuous relationship with her co-star in the film, William Hurt, Mm -hmm. and how unsupportive he was to her on the night that she won her Oscar and some kind of nasty things that he said to her in the limo ride home. I knew a little bit about that story. so I And I was hesitant to reach out to her because I wasn't sure if she was going to want to rehash that. And plus, it's a movie I love so much. I was thinking, like, is this going to ruin the movie yeah. for me? I emailed her representative and got an answer within a couple of hours, yes. And within 48 hours, I was on Zoom with her doing the interview. It was the fastest yes that I got oh. of anyone that I had reached out to. And she was so fascinating to speak with of course we were speaking through her interpreter jack jason who she's worked with for decades and decades uh we were all on the zoom together and and it was just fascinating to hear her take on that whole experience she remains to this day the youngest person ever to win a best actress oscar she was 21 when she won Mm. wow and you had a number of firsts in your book like jennifer hudson for example isn't she the the first a black performer to win an egot or be considered uh, an EGOT? Yes, that's right. Um, and it was fascinating because she, well, Whoopi Goldberg might have, did she achieve that before? That's a good question. I, yeah. mean, I should find that out. Um, but for Jennifer, it was really interesting because she really didn't seem to know anything about the award season when she uh, was going through the whole process. She told me she didn't really understand what the Oscars were. Her dream was to win a Grammy, Mm -hmm. not an Oscar. So it was really fascinating to hear her talk about the learning experience, the learning curve that she went through during the whole Dream Girls cycle. And she was so honest. I mean, that I got to be honest with you. Frankly, I was surprised that she she was just so open about the fact that she really didn't know the significance of the Oscars. She was like she just didn't no. get it, and I thought, "What? No, they, you're a Chicago girl. To, Come on!" I <laughs> they had to really explain it to her. Yeah, and and she and she even was very honest with me about how she wasn't familiar with the character of Effie White that she right. ended up playing mm-hmm. in Dream Girl. She knew the song, and I'm telling you I'm not going, but she was not aware of the, uh, the, the the story and the character. So, again, that was a learning curve for her. Yeah. I thought it was fascinating not only to see Jennifer's uh, take on, in her mind, the Grammys were the big deal, and, oh, Oscars? Contrast that to Elton John, Oscars, big deal. Grammys? Oh, yeah. Didn't right, he yeah, say that the Grammys are kind of cheap and, yeah. you know, big deal? <laughs> You know, it's really interesting. He, If you look at all of Elton John's work throughout the 1970s, he never won a Grammy for any of his work in the 1970s, all those classic albums and songs. I don't think he won a Grammy until 
that's what friends are for mm-hmm. in the 1980s. So, yeah, I think I think that there's been a disconnect between him and the Grammys. He has won, I think, four Grammys, but they're for more obscure things like mm-hmm. that that uh, that co-Grammy for That's What Friends Are For or an instrumental that he wrote. He hasn't really been acknowledged uh, over the years for his great solo work. And before we take a break for news, uh, Dave, uh, didn't that song, That's What Friends Are For, didn't that come from the movie Friends? He did write songs from the movie Friends, uh, like a song called Friends, Making Friends for right. the World. Oh, yeah, right. right. But that was more, that was in the 70s. That was in the early part of his career. That's what Friends Are For was a uh, Carol Bayer Sager, I believe, for oh, Bacharach song. Yes. Um, and that, wasn't that, that kind of, wasn't that kind of an AIDS fundraiser song, I believe? It was a fundraiser. Oh. That's exactly yes. right. Exactly right. Okay. I was yeah. thinking about the movie Friends, which I saw in a midnight showing many, many times when I was a teenager. Loved that movie and actually loved yeah. all the music he wrote for that, that movie, too. If you go to our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Stephen Johnny Show. You will see that uh, we just put up a link where you can buy the book and it belongs in your library. Dave is nice enough to join us tonight. And uh, Dave, I wanted to take you to uh, the SAG Awards uh, for a minute because um, apparently one of the, the big night moments was Barbara Streisand accepting the Lifetime Achievement Honor. And I got the feeling they let her talk. Did you get to see that this evening? I did. And she gave a great speech. She acknowledged all the other actors in the room. And she talked about, you know, kind of growing up a a young Jewish girl and, and all of the kind of important figures in Hollywood who escaped persecution in Eastern Europe and came to the United States and became the early movie moguls mm-hmm. in Hollywood. That That's really what she wanted to focus on um, in this speech. I thought she did a great job. She looked terrific. The crowd was thrilled to see her. And it was Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Aniston who who presented the award oh, to her. Oh, wow. Well, I, I know she's been busy for the past few years with her ginormous biography that she wrote. Was she someone that you had considered uh, asking to be involved in your book? Of course. And I was told that she was working on her own book. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't able to talk to her, but if I do a volume two, I'm not taking no for an answer now that her book is out. Yeah. Have you read her book? I have not, but I, every every person in my life has read it or listened to it. Okay. Well, that would be cool to listen to. Does she read it herself? Do you know? Yes. And apparently it's 47 hours long, the <gasps> audio book. No! Forty-seven sleeping hours long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, if you're Streisand, you can do that. Yeah, forgive me for forgive us for laughing. Never mind. <laughs> uh, were Were there any? Uh, and you have this amazing list of people that did get involved in the book. Were there any other people that you said, "Gee, I would like to have," but for whatever reason, they were not able to do the interview with you? Yes. So because this is a Turner Classic Movies book and because I work at TCM, I wanted as many of the classic era stars in there as possible. And three of the women that I reached out to, Julie Andrews, Shirley Jones, and Eva Marie Saint, I basically found out they are just not doing that many interviews Uh, these mm -hmm. days. So I would have loved to have spoken to them, especially Eva Marie Saint, who I have met before in my job at TCM, and she's just so lovely, and Mm -hmm. she's about to turn 100. Um, So 
that was a little bit of a disappointment. But as I said, I'm thrilled that there's six people in there, Joel Gray and Mel Brooks, among them who are 90 years mm-hmm. of age or older. We should all be as sharp as, as Mel Brooks oh, is. Oh, Mel Brooks when is in, scary sharp. But we're in our 70s, you know, yeah. if we're lucky. I know it. <laughs> but well, one of the things I love about the book is the individual, the different perspectives people had on the awards, on their experience. What was the most surprising perspective to you? Somebody who, who had a perspective you thought, oh, I never thought of looking at it that way. Maybe Jane Fonda. I really enjoyed talking to her, and she was just going through a myriad of emotions when she was nominated for Clute, which was the first time she won an Oscar. She's won twice. Coming mm-hmm. home, she also won four. And she was she really took me through the whole experience of, you know, the Vietnam War was raging. Her political views were polarizing. Mm-hmm. She would show up on the set of the movie, and some, some days there would be an American flag hung upside down, presumably by the crew members who... She felt hostility from them. She was considered the front runner for the Oscar, but yet there was, you know, this perceived what she perceived as hatred for her amongst people in the community. So she wasn't sure what was going to happen when she won. She was worried that she was going to get booed. She also was sick that day with a hundred two degree fever. And then after she won, she felt guilty that she had an Oscar while her father Henry Fonda at that point did not have one. So all of these different emotions, it was just very that surprised me to hear her be so candid and open about everything that she was going through. Well, I've got to tell you, though, I, and maybe it's because I was young, but I did see the movie. I loved it. I loved her. When she just casually mentioned she was having an affair during the making of that movie with Donald Sutherland, I went, what? I didn't know that. <laughs> Wasn't that great? Yes. And that, that's part of that's part of the joy of doing a book with the caliber of people that are in this book because they've all reached a point in their career where not to say they don't care, mm-hmm. but they're so kind of untouchable in a way that they're willing to speak the truth, I think, more than someone who is newer and, and on the way up. All these yeah. people who have achieved so much and reached the pinnacle, they have an honesty about them that is so fun and refreshing. Well, well I- speaking of that, I want to go back to the to the uh, the uh, the person that started off the book. Nicole Kidman, boy, you talk about a range of emotions and a range of stuff she was going through that time in her life. Wow. She's going, what, she had just been divorced uh, from Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. That's right. She had. She was two years divorced. She had not yet met Keith Urban, her now husband, and she. everything was going so great in her professional life, but her personal life was kind of a disaster. She go, does this movie, The Hour, she wins the Oscar for it, and she ends the night in her hotel sitting on the floor with her parents eating a cheeseburger and then going to bed alone before midnight. But the thing that I love the most in that chapter, which is so her from getting to know her a little bit is when she won, she wanted to go home back to the hotel and her team said, Oh no, you have to go to the vanity Mm. fair party Mm -hmm. and walk around the room with your Oscar in your hand. And she (laughs) said, well, that just sounds gross. Do I really have to do that? And they said, yeah, that's what you do. So she did it. And she talks about just how uncomfortable and she was basically shaking as she walked through the room. You would think it would be this triumphant moment, but that's her. She's very confident as a performer, but she's also a bit of a shy woman. And I love that part of her personality. I think it's very unique and refreshing. 
I love that you were able to get so many people to to be so candid with you. I think that's a compliment to you that they felt so comfortable with you that I honestly felt when I was reading some of the chapters, some of the interviews that they forgot that they were being interviewed for a book. I was like, oh, <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I I appreciate that. I mean, I think part of that has to do with the fact that, as I said, 35 of these 50 people were people that I had interviewed before, in some cases, many, many times. Mm -hmm. So I think there was a a comfort level, I hope. And my goal in my whole career has just to been to be kind and gentle with people, even rather how big of a star they are. And I hope that that created an environment where these people felt comfortable and, and willing to share things with me that maybe they hadn't shared before. Mm-hmm. You talk about your career. I, I want to take you back to the early days of your career with movies. Was there a moment, uh, a, a time when you realized, not only do I have a passion for this, yeah, I'm going to be able to make a living doing this. Well, when I was in college at Duke University, I tried different internships throughout my summers. I worked for a PR firm. I worked for MTV. Both great experiences. And then my third summer, I was lucky enough to get an internship working at Entertainment Weekly magazine. And that was in its heyday in the mid-90s when now it's just a website. It's not even a magazine anymore. But uh, it was a it was a pretty important place for a time. And when I started working there for that summer, that was kind of my eureka moment where I felt like I found a place where I really fit in as far as personality, as far as my writing style was concerned. And it was a place where the people who worked there were as passionate and kind of critical of the of entertainment as I was. So that was my big moment where I thought, I found what I think I want to do. And then I kind of fell into the TV side of it almost by accident uh, going, going on the Today Show. That was just supposed to be a one-time thing back 24 years ago, and it turned into a regular job where I've now, as you said, been on that show 215 times <laughs> over the last 24 years, and it's just been a joy. And I think that helped me get the job at TCM, which is just the, the dream job of a lifetime. Well, what about the, what you do now on Saturdays, the uh, musical matinee? Was that something that you went to TCM and said, I think we need to do this? We need to focus on yes. musicals? <laughs> I did. I, I went to them. So, yes, I went to them and said, I'd love to do something on a weekly basis that has a music bent to it, whatever that is. So we started brainstorming some ideas, and, and that's what we came up with. And I got to choose the name, Musical Matinee. Uh, so, yeah, every Saturday, every Saturday at noon Eastern time, so I guess that's 11 a.m. for you, mm-hmm. um, if you turn on TCM, you know you're going to see me, and you're going to see a movie musical. That uh, weekly franchise is on hiatus right now for a couple of weeks because we're doing our very popular 31 Days of Oscar mm-hmm. feature right now, which is all Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning movies uh, until March 10th. But after the Oscars are over, then Musical Matinee comes back, and it's a real joy for me to get to present a musical every week. Well, what was the name of the the wonderful musical that, that uh, Johnny and I tuned into a couple weeks ago? Gene Kelly, uh, Dancing I'm... on Roller Skates. Oh! Um, it's Always Fair Weather? Yes! yes. Wow! We've never oh. seen that. What a wonderful movie! Phenomenal. Not as well known as An American in Paris or Singing in the Rain or some of the other great musicals that he's done, but one that is well worth seeing for the roller skating, for Absolutely. the garbage can lids, yes. all the great stuff that he does on that one. And then, I, I as, a, as a skater, I said, how did he do this? And come to find out, he was wearing clip-on skates. He wasn't even wearing anything fancy. No, no, no adjustments, <laughs> no nothing. nothing. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> and speaking of the 31 days of Oscars, in the past week, we've been able to catch some of those. We had never seen The Red Shoes, which uh, I believe I read somewhere, Scorsese's favorite movie. We were out at my brother's, and he had it, or we tuned into TCM, yes. and it was showing, and we oh. stayed with it. What a wonderful movie. My gosh. A definite favorite of definite favorite of Scorsese's and a movie that you, when you watch it, you cannot believe that it was made in the 1940s because it has such vivid colors and it seems very modern, but mm-hmm. yet it's almost 80 years old, which is just uh, astonishing. Wasn't part of that because it was a British production and the way they yeah, were working I mean, with color at that technicolor, time? Technicolor, yeah. That's right. So this filmmaking team of Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger, the the filmmaking team behind that film, uh, I think Jack Cardiff was the name of the cinematographer. They were really known for vivid colors and uh, great visuals, along with the terrific storytelling. And a lot of their movies, Black Narcissus, um, have have that kind of great eye popping color to appreciate. We're talking with Dave Carger. And uh, Dave, after a quick break, we want to come back and we're not going to let you get out of here without putting on the spot about the Oscars two weeks from uh, Sunday. Just a couple of your predictions. So feel no pressure, but we are going to ask you for predictions. (laughs) So we'll be. I'm ready. All right. We'll be right back with Dave Carger, author of this great new book entitled 50 Oscar Nights, Iconic Stars and Filmmakers on Their Career Defining Wins. You can find a link on our Facebook and back with Dave on WGN. Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. Oscar, 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 Oscar. O-S-C-A-R. O-S-C-A-R. Oscar, 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 Oscar. Steve King and Johnny Puppet at WGN Oscar. Radio. Where did you find that? I was just doing looking around for songs that would have Oscar in them. And this is by the guy who sings your name over and over. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the Oscars song. Do you like that, Dave? No. <laughs> was, Thank you. I what that was. <laughs> Thank you. I looked at Steve like, is this Oscar the Grouch? What is this? <laughs> We're talking with Dave Carger, author of a wonderful book, 50 Oscar Nights, Iconic Stars and Filmmakers on Their Career-Defining Wins. You will find a link to where you can buy this. Go to our Facebook page, <laughs> facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show. We will also have a link on our blog. Yes. This is not just because Dave is on with us. This is a wonderful, wonderful book. And compliments on the quality of paper because all your pictures translate beautifully in the book, too. And that's important. Very important. And I take no credit for the paper stock, but I can take the credit for the photos, which it was a very time-consuming process. Mm. I had a great photo editor that I worked with, and we had access to all these great photo archives. And it was really fun, once the book was written, to then go through and pick photos that, whenever possible, really spoke to the interviews themselves. So if Nicole Kidman talked about a particular actor who she forgot to thank in her speech, then I made sure to put a picture of her with Mm -hmm. him. Um, Mm -hmm. So whenever possible, I was able to let the pictures really speak to the words themselves. Yes. My great, I think a great example was Meryl Streep uh, talking about her first Oscar being five months pregnant, buying her dress in the basement of Saks and having to wear it backwards to cover cover her belly. And there you have the picture. And I went, oh, 
I would not have known that. <laughs> that was fun because so many of these winners who won in the 60s, 70s, or early 80s, that was before all the stylists, yes. right? So a lot of these people talk about going to a store and picking out a dress, yes. and that's just yeah. how it works back then. Or Rita Moreno talked about doing her own hair and makeup. Yeah. Whoa. And she was stunning. And that, she looked great. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yes. All right, put you on the spot here. Do you think it's going to be Killing and Murphy? You know what? I have been thinking Paul Giamatti all along oh. uh, because he's so beloved. But now that Killian Murphy has won both the BAFTA, of course, the British Academy Award, and now the Screen Actors Guild, I'm changing my prediction. And I mm. think it's Killian Murphy. And I think Oppenheimer will now win eight Oscars uh, overall, which is going to be a huge night. Yeah, yeah. What about Best Actress? Well, that one's tough, too, because you had Emma Stone and Lily Gladstone mm-hmm. split the Golden Globes. They each won Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. And then Emma Stone won the Critics' Choice and the BAFTA, but then Lily Gladstone won the SAG. It's yeah. very, very tight. I'm still going with Emma Stone, although I would be thrilled if Lily Gladstone yeah. won. I'm thinking Lily Gladstone. Uh, best Supporting Actor? Well, that one's easy. It's Robert Downey Jr. and I, for Oppenheimer. Good. That's going to be a wonderful moment, much like when Jamie Lee Curtis won last year, kind of a beloved star yeah. getting an Oscar, and everyone in the room is going to be thrilled. Yeah. Be- before we get to some uh, some more of your predictions, uh, w- with your association with the Oscars, how much does the campaigning for an Oscar play into it as opposed to how good the individual performance was. What, what are people paying attention to? Are they paying attention to the movies? Are they paying attention to the campaigning? What's your take? It's interesting because you do have the cases of someone like the actress Monique, who was in the movie Precious 15 years ago, mm-hmm. who didn't do any campaigning, but she won Best Supporting Actress because her performance was that good. So I really do think 75% of it is the performance. But at the same time, this is a personal thing. Each each voter votes on his or her own. And a lot of these contenders do show up at cocktail parties and Q&As, and they meet the voters. And if you have a great experience with someone, even though you might like someone else's performance better, you might say, oh, I really enjoyed meeting Lily Gladstone at that event. Mm. I'm going to vote for her. So there's all these different things at play, and people do have their own reasons for voting the way they do. But I really do believe in the purity of the Oscars, and I really do believe that the vast majority of voters vote in the vast majority of categories uh, for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. And actually see the movies, so they know what they're voting on. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Divine Joy Randolph, took the SAG for the holdovers? She's won every award of note for this beautiful performance that she gives in The Holdovers. She's a big TCM fan, I've learned, from uh, talking to her a couple times this season, which makes me very happy. Mm -hmm. So I'll be thrilled when she wins. It's not a question of if. uh, And she's just terrific. And, of course, best picture. Who do you think is going to walk with that? Is it going to be Oppenheimer? It will be, and it, this will not be one of those cases where a different movie wins Best Picture and a different movie wins Best Director. Good. It's going to be Oppenheimer for both, and I, as I said, I do think it's going to win eight Oscars for act, for actor, supporting actor, cinematography, score, editing, sound, all of those. Wow, wow. And what a great year, though, to have Barbie and Oppenheimer, yeah. because it, it took us back to the movie theaters, and that, that was a good thing. You're right, and it has been quite a while since there's been a true blockbuster that won Best Picture. If you look at the movies that have won Best Picture over the last 
few years, it's movies that did well but were not huge, Mm -hmm. huge smashes along the lines of an Oppenheimer. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight, and thanks for writing the book. It's awesome, and we we really do love it. And and, and I hope uh, if you ever find yourself in Chicago, I hope we can meet you in person and get you in the studio. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much. I really appreciate uh, how nice you've been. I'm so glad you liked the book. And again, folks can get their hands on the book. It's readily available. It's 50 Oscar nights, iconic stars and filmmakers on their career defining wins. Real quick, where will you be watching the Oscars? Do you make popcorn and get in front of the TV or are you going to be all dressed up and and going to some party or red carpeting? I actually think I'm going to be home. I live in Palm Springs, California, uh, a little bit warmer where you are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think I'm going to be at home with maybe some friends and like maybe a bowl of chili just watching and enjoying. <laughs> I love it. That's good. I love that too. Thank you so much, Dave. This Take has care. Been fun, Dave. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate it. Bye bye now. Good night. And again, you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Stephen Johnny Show, and you'll find a link to uh, where you can get the book. And, and we're not just blowing smoke. This is uh, particularly if you are a fan of the movies. This is a wonderful, well-done book. It's an uh, it's a very accessible read. Yes. If you know nothing yes. about the movies, it's it's a great book. And we should mention that in two weeks from tonight, your brother's going to join us because yes. he's seen all the movies that have been nominated for Academy Awards, and he's going to give us his predictions. He joined us last year, yeah. and uh, and he did we very were, well. He did very well. Yeah, so he, Lee's going to be joining us again this year. A lot coming up. Uh, Megan McDonough. Stay with us at WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio, and uh, that is the voice of an extraordinarily talented lady that we were uh, fortunate to call a a friend for many, many years. Yes, yes, she is the pride of Crystal Lake, Illinois, Megan McDonough. Megan, good evening. Steve and Johnny, it's always a pleasure. I'm never a prouder Chicagoan than when I'm on your show. Oh, you're so oh, sweet. So sweet oh, we had some, we had some great times at late at night over at the old Tribune Tower Studios. <laughs> in fact, in fact, Megan, I, I was just trying to think. When was the first time we talked? Because because I think oh it was gosh. back in the early uh, late seventies, early eighties, or something like that. Yes, I think it was around. Was it around Chicago Fest? Yes. Could have been, yes. Um, yeah. I I think it was back when the earth was still cooling. You <laughs> <laughs> Well, I remember there was a time when you, as a founding member of a group, that we could play your music on the radio, but we were told, really, you don't need to be saying the name of the group for Bitchin' Babes. We went, oh, okay, but that's kind of weird. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, exactly. you were a part of that group, your founding member, what was like 1990 when the group started out? Uh, yes, we started. We went. We did our first show in 1989. Christine Lavin called a bunch of us and said, "You know, I've got some carpal tunnel going on, and I got this tour lined up. How about you just come on the road with me and support me, and and we'll all we'll do sing something around." Well, it just morphed into the babes. <laughs> That's <laughs> you what know, before we knew we were. 
that, that's what happened. Yes, and that's what we were told to call you on the radio. They're yeah, the, the babes. babes. <laughs> the yeah. four babes. Yeah, don't, don't say four bitches. <laughs> yes. no, 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 no. I'm still doing it, but we're, it's 2024, I yes. believe. Yes. Point, and we can say chimbabs. Yeah, <laughs> we've come a long way, baby. Uh, but but we should uh, before we get too much further. The blatant plug light has just come on, and we played uh, a little bit of you singing one of the wonderful Burt Backrack Hell David songs that you're going to be doing yes. at Carnival. So when, where, how do people get tickets? Uh, explain it yes. all to us. Okay, so you know Carnival is the hot spot in Chicago mm-hmm. for music, food, and fun, and just joy there is a room at carnival called the alley and it's a wonderful gosh it's a throwback for me to rooms like uh the back room um you know on rush street for for years was it was a jazz club mr kelly's Mm -hmm. it's just it's a small little jewel of a room uh very intimate it seats about 80 people um and it is um uh, you know, like I said, it's a it's a wonderful place to hear music like this, Burt Backrack and Hal David music. It's at uh, 702 Fulton Market um, in Chicago. Uh, the show is at 7.30. If you go to CarnivalChicago.com, you can get tickets. And I will be there with Fred Simon and John Paul, a wonderful bass player. Fred Simon, of course, premier jazz pianist. We'll be doing, hopefully, we'll be doing Burt Backrack and Hal David Proud. And this is going to be on Leap Day, the 29th of February. Yes, we started the show off talking about having this extra day and what what do you do with your extra day. And this is what you do with your extra day. You go see Megan at Carnival. Exactly. (laughs) And Bill Marvitz, who who was so... um, so eager to do the show said let's call it leap of love and we said okay mm-hmm. that, that works out. it was originally called what the world needs now but leap of love works perfectly yes what made you decide to yeah. focus on the songs of burt Backrack and hell david and, and i ask this because you, you you've done a lot of your own material you've done songs by uh, other composers but when you talk about Backrack David stuff, that's some tricky stuff with some tricky melodies, and you have to have a good range, yes, which you do. But what made you decide, yeah, I want to do this? Thank you. You know, a friend and I would cross paths sometimes at gigs. We were both working. Um, we, we both are on the faculty at the Music Institute of Chicago, and there was a big event there, and Fred was playing, and I was doing a number, and and um, then later into the evening, when people were packing up, he was noodling and playing some back rec, and I was I started to sing along. Well, one thing led to another. We said, you know, this might really be a great show, and we love these songs. We know them. We knew them all, <laughs> and um, gosh, in around I think. Well, it was pre-COVID. It was early um, 2020. It was actually late uh, 2019 when we said, let's let's do a Holbert Backrack Hal David tribute show. Mm-hmm. And we put it together. We did it at Studio 5, which is a, just a great room. And we taped it, and, and then COVID hit, and we went wonk, wonk. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then, of course, uh, all this, all these years later, and it's one year since almost, you know, uh, it's a little um, uh, later than um, uh, Bert Backrack passed a year ago. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's a great time to sort of do a, a, a musical memorial. And um, I think it's a, the, the perfect the perfect time to, and people are there's a resurgence of of his music, and um, it's just such a it's, it's cool, it's sophisticated, and it's familiar. And I yes. think that's really I, I for myself, I really appreciate that. I really need that. I yeah. need sort of that grounding familiarity of Backrack David songs. So very accessible. You're absolutely right. And sometimes, you you know, you hear the tune and you don't even realize, oh, oh, wait a minute, that yeah. is a Backrack song. Oh, And you oh, forget how many, many there were. they had. Yes, absolutely. Oh hey, yes. Megan, yes. can you sit tight? We're going to take a quick break and come back and we want to talk absolutely. more about Megan and how she got to this point in her life because Megan was just a little bitty girl when she decided that this is what she was going to do with her life yes yes yes. and it's a fascinating story megan mcdonough is our guest she will be at carnival on thursday night that's it's a leap of love because it's leap year that's leap day the 29th of february but right now she's here on wgn you see me walking down the street and i start to cry each time we meet walk on by King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. The music of Hal David, Burt Backrack, sung by Megan McDonough, who was nice enough to hang out with us for a while. Uh, you can see Megan doing the tribute to Burt Backrack and Hal David at the uh, the Alley at Carnival, February 29th, 2024. The Leap of Love, because it is a leap day. Do you mind if we go in the Wayback Machine for a few minutes, Megan? Please do. I didn't say the way, way back machine because we're the same age. So this is just the way back machine. Um, and, uh, I love it. I, we are big fans of um, the shows like The Voice and American Idol. American Idol started last week. The Voice starts uh, this coming week. If we're not home to watch them, we record them. I recall that it was a a voice competition that was really like a big breaking point for you as a young teenager am i right absolutely i was 14 and a family friend had submitted my reel to reel demo tape of original songs to the wls a big break radio contest and i got in <laughs> and i was competing against bands and other singers and i won first place I won Ludwig drums like Ringo's. I was over the moon. Um, I won all the prizes, you guys, that would have gone to a band. I won a Gibson amplifier and a 12-string guitar what? and uh, a recording contract with Mercury Records. Oh I was not gosh. popular with the other acts. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Um, but 
Uh, I recorded a, a 45. It was produced by uh, a man named Bob Monaco. Sure. Um, he had a production company here in, in uh, Bill Trout, Bob Monaco, and Jim mm-hmm. Golden had a production company called Dunwich Productions yep. here in Chicago. And Bobby produced my uh, my 45. Uh, it was uh, called a song called Blue Eyed Soul. And um, he was the boy, I think, was the flip side. One of the backup, and, and we recorded at Universal. Um, Bruce Swedeen, who was Quincy Jones' uh, engineer for forever, was uh, was the engineer on the on the uh, session, and Minnie Ripperton was one of the backups. Oh my gosh! Oh, I didn't know that part of the story. <laughs> how? Wait, I, I didn't. Uh, you know, how did you I, process I, that at fourteen years old? I did. I, I I absolutely didn't. I I had <laughs> no. I was not even in my body. <laughs> it was one of those not in your body moments of like, yeah. oh, okay, sing. <laughs> so I won singing my original folk songs. You guys, they were not good, but I I sang the daylights out of them, and I was full of you know uh, enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember it was, it was um, um, Clark Weber. Uh-huh. I'm on stage with with the with the with the DJs that I went to sleep listening to. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just went to sleep with the radio on. I, I was crazy about pop music, folk music, writing songs, singing songs. Where uh, I begged my parents. I saw the Beatles, you know, uh, yeah. on the Ed Sullivan Show when I was ten, mm-hmm. and I begged my parents daily for guitar, 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 guitar. Mm-hmm. And that following Christmas, I got it, and you were talking. I loved the interview uh, that that you did just before me mm-hmm. um, with Dave uh, Carter. I, I ordered the book. I'm getting it oh. <laughs> ASAP. It, it's a wonderful um, book. You're not going to be disappointed. Oh my gosh! Oh, I can't wait. And when he talks about how TV and and films, uh, and you were talking about the red shoes. I played guitar like it was the red shoes. I, I just I slept with it. I took it everywhere. I kissed it. I wrote songs. Oh. I sang at every neighborhood gathering. You know, and my siblings, of course, were like, "Oh, here she goes again." <laughs> <laughs> so there was never I didn't a, care. A, a, as a child. There was never any other thought of anything like when they say, "What do you want to be when you grow up, Megan?" You didn't say, "I want to be a veterinarian." You said, "I want to be a singer." <laughs> No, from the time I was five. Five? From the time I was five, I remember being in the basement in my little tap shoes and leotard um, that I slept in. I slept in. Oh. <laughs> and I just, every chance I got, so I was rehearsing for the St. Thomas Christmas pageant where I will sing, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. <laughs> and... Uh, I hear out of the television is on, and I hear this. It's the Woody Woodpecker Show. For some reason, I was transfixed. I I practically climbed into the television with curiosity of what is that? And this goofy cartoon. uh, It was like. 
it was such a connection. It was this weird connection of it's funny and they, and the, there's music and um, I just knew that somehow that was going to be a part of my life. Okay, so so let me get this straight. Very early, largely <laughs> because of television, you were enamored of Woody Woodpecker and Ringo, right? <laughs> No, I don't think Ringo was her favorite Beatle. Was he? No, Ringo was my favorite Beatle. He was your favorite? Yeah. Oh. favorite Beatle. Because, because um, he, he he was sort of sad and funny and, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you've talked about, liked. as you told us before, Ringo saved you from a life in the convent. That's right. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Ringo saved me from a life in the convent. I'm like... Yes, when I was in like the third grade, I was I felt like I was the class was asked, you know, almost on a daily basis, who here wants to be a priest or a nun? And I was sure if I didn't raise my hand, you know, it'd go on my permanent record. So I raised my hand, you know, yes, I want to be a nun. Then I saw the Beatles on TV. <laughs> oh, sorry, sister. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Ringo. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm Sister Mary Ringo. Um, yeah. And, and, no and by the way, I, I, if you want to see a wonderful video, <laughs> go to MeganMcDonoughMusic.com and scroll down, and you will see uh, uh, the video of how Ringo saved Megan That's from a life right. in the convent. Yes. It's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun to sort of put that all together because, you know, music really, um, well, it was it was a saving grace for me. You know, mm-hmm. I lost my dad and, and my sister uh, when I was 11, three months apart. You know, it was, it was really terrible, terrible loss. And the one thing that really... Um, I could take my feelings to was the music and, mm-hmm. and writing poetry and then poetry became songs and then those songs started, you know, really just coming so so naturally. But to listen to these records, to listen to Dionne Warwick and Dusty Springfield mm-hmm. and the British Invasion. I loved the women of the British Invasion, Petula Clark and mm-hmm. and Phila Black and 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 you know those women mentored me and Barbara Streisand. I would sing at the top of my lungs to Barbara Streisand uh, uh, records, and um, really, it's how I I learned how to sing. And my mom was my first vocal coach. You know, she uh, taught me some some exercises, and she was very supportive of me um, being in the business. In fact, when I was 17, I ran away from home with my mother's permission to go to California and be in the music business. You just do it today. Something you just said just gave me an an idea for uh, after you do the uh, the Burt Bacharach, Hal David. I have an idea for what your next show should be. The women of hey, the the here. women of the British invasion. <gasps> what? Nobody has ever done this. That's true. And what a wonderful treasure of of music! I would. Oh, you got to do that because you did a show called hey. uh, "Was an Interesting Bunch of uh, Gals." Yes, interesting bunch of gals, and there was a part in there. Uh, of women of the British invasion, Patul Clark and right. uh, Dusty Springfield, 
But I think, gosh, a whole show. A whole yeah. Thing. yeah, nobody's That'd ever done cool. that. Yeah. Copyright yeah. 2004. <laughs> 24. Okay. Oh, you heard 24. It here, folks. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> we are talking with Megan McDonough. Um, Megan's story is fascinating, too. I just love the idea, you know, that a Woody Woodpecker cartoon could be an epiphany for you and it could change your life. Woody Woodpecker and Ringo. <laughs> and Ringo. Yes, yes. Uh, you're listening to WGN, and we'll be back with Megan McDonough on WGN. That is why all the girls in town follow you all around. Just like me, they long to be close to you. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio are talking with Megan McDonough, uh, who is going to be doing a wonderful tribute to Burt Backrack and Hal David at Carnival on February 29th, and you should get tickets. It's going to be a fun evening. And Megan is nice enough to uh, hang out with us and share memories of uh, Ringo Starr and Woody Woodpecker (laughs) and uh, other things. And just before the news, you just said in passing at 17, you ran away from home, go to California, something you couldn't do today. Was it right around that time that you started working as an opening act for, oh, I don't know, little names like um, John Denver and Harry Chapin? (laughs) Did that actually happen when you were a teenager? Yes, um, I I moved to California. Bobby Monaco, who had produced the Mercury single, called me one day, and I I was going down to Chicago. I'd get out of school. I'd uh, go change clothes. I'd grab my guitar. I'd go down to Dunwich office, you know, where Bobby was, and I would play him my my new songs. And he was really really patient and encouraging. He called me one day and said. Patty and I are are moving uh, with the kids to L.A. because uh, we're moving Dunwich to Los Angeles. And uh, maybe you could um, move out there and uh, babysit for us while I shop for a deal for you. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I said, well, I got to check with my mom. I can go. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can go. Um, I, um, I moved to Los Angeles and sure enough, um, I was kind of the nanny for Bobby and Patty's kids and I got a deal in six months. I was signed to, uh, Wooden Nickel Records, uh, which is a subsidiary label, um, of, um, RCA. And uh, then a, a couple months later after, after my first LP came out, um, uh, you know, I, I tell this story uh, when I was uh, my first LP came out, and the company, the my management company, put me on the road, um, and I was playing this little club in Denver, Colorado. And my sister was traveling with me, and a friend of ours was going to school in, in Boulder. Took us to Red Rocks Park to show us around uh, Boulder, and I got you. You can get up on the stage on the lip of the stage. Uh, at the beautiful amphitheater in Red Rocks Park. And this wish flew out of my heart. Oh, oh, I would love to sing here one day. And six months later, I was opening for John Denver at Red Rocks Park. Oh, golly. Magical things like that. (laughs) I just got big-time goosebumps with that story. That's crazy. It was yeah, it was amazing, yeah. amazing. 
Um, yeah, uh, it, it was an amazing time. Well, I have to ask you, another person that uh, that you worked with, uh, Harry Chapin, I, I had the very good fortune of spending a wonderful evening with Harry Chapin when he, he was here in town. He was performing at the Golf Mill. And I have to ask you, what was it like working with him? He, he to, to this day, he was one of the most fascinating interviews I ever had. And I, I, I think working with him over a period of time must have been fascinating. Do you have any memories of that? I, you know, he was always engaged. He was always concerned about big-hearted, and, and his brother Tom, same way. They're very, um, they were very active activists, and um, you know Tom Chapin's charity of you know feeding, feeding kids, feed, feeding hungry kids. Um, he was always involved, always engaged, but when. He, when you were talking with him, and you probably had this experience, you were the only person in the room. Exactly. He, he was. He was. You were talking. He was talking to you. There was nobody else. There was no looking behind. You know, really engaged, really interested in what you were talking about. You know, uh, and always um, like contributing. Really fascinating. Really smart guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember, yeah. and and I remember when Taxi first came out. I was like, it was so it was so over my head, but it was so cool and different and unique and such a new um, new experience musically. And his songwriting was fantastic. Yeah, and he was a, he was a very giving, generous guy. He was such a big family man, though, because Steve, your experience with him was he well, he, he did the he, show. He was here. He was doing uh, the golf mill, and this was I had him on the air. It was a Friday night, Saturday morning. Now, my show was the the overnight show at that point on WIND. He left the studio uh, at about three in the morning because he had to go to catch a plane to fly back to New York. And then he was flying back to Chicago that night because he didn't want to be Uncle Daddy to his kids. He wanted to go home, have his kids wake up, they'd see him, and then he would fly back to Chicago to do this. And I thought, wow, what what a cool guy. Yes, so mindful, just so present, mindful, engaged, great songwriter, funny, um, yeah, really, really a beautiful soul. But I'm, I'm also thinking, being the family man that he was, you were just a kid. He was probably protective of you being you know, a part a of his. Of, a lot of them were, yes, yeah. a lot of them were. Very, very brotherly to me. Yeah. And, and um, some would say that Megan is as big as a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, what are you? And I say that because you know you might have the tendency to want to be protective of her, but she was seventeen for God's sakes. Come on. Uh, yes. 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 Wow. I remember uh, after a show at, at the cellar door in in uh, it was the first time I I met John Denver and his he he was with a couple of his musicians and we all went out after the the gig and. And we went to dinner, and, 
and we're sitting around the table, and all of a sudden, John looks across the table at me and says, wait a minute, shouldn't you be in school? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, 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 no, 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 I'm, I'm, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, you went to school in Crystal Lake, right? Yes, I did. I went to Crystal Lake Central, uh, Crystal Lake Central High School, and now there are, it was the only high school when I was growing up, now there are four. Oh, wow. There are at least three, three high schools wow. in, in Crystal Lake. It, I need a tour guide when I go back to my to my uh, hometown. I bet, yeah. Well, they got to be mighty proud of you, though, because, I mean, yes. the McDonald's hail from Crystal Lake, right? Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I just recently played, uh, it did this show at the Rao Center um, mm-hmm. in, in Crystal Lake, which was, when I was a kid, it was the first place I saw a movie. It was a movie oh, theater. Wow. And now it is a glorious performing arts center. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a pleasure to play there. What was the first piece of music you bought, uh, the first record that you bought? Oh my gosh, I can't believe you asked me that question, because I was, I was just in Crystal Lake last week. I'm very interested in sound healing, and uh, I asked uh, a, a sound uh, healer and a crystal bowl uh, sound, sound, sound bowls um, uh, where I could you know, find some, uh, some bowls. And uh, he said, well, there's a, well, there's a place in Crystal Lake. I thought, of course. Now that I'm gone, there's a mecca of, of hippie places in Crystal Lake. So he said, it's, it's called um, uh, Evolve. So I went there. You guys, I walked in. It is the same store that I bought my first 45 record in. Oh, wow. The first record I bought was... Jimmy Mack by Martha Reeves and the Band. Oh my gosh! Oh, Jimmy Mack, when are you coming back? <laughs> Jimmy Mack. Yeah. Jimmy. <laughs> exactly. So I thought, wow, it, 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 it was a gift shop. They sold records in back. Now it's this glorious uh, crystal uh, sound bowls, um, uh, um, Tibetan. Um, a sound bowl. Um, let me stop you there for a moment, hurt. Megan, because people might not understand what you're saying. You, you literally mean it's a bowl that when it it you strike it, it makes a sound yes. that kind of speaks to you. It, yeah, it, it, it speaks to your insides. Yes. That, uh, okay, yes, uh, the, it's very healing. We we have to break for a second. Can you hang with us for for one more second? Because I want to come back and get into a little more about sound healing and what the heck that is. <laughs> Uh, Your face was great when you went, huh? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we're going from Woody Woodpecker to Ringo to sound healing. Okay. Yeah, that's Megan for you. Uh, Stick around. We'll see where this takes us. I'm driving too fast or way too
Steve King and Johnny Putman on WGN Radio. That's Megan McDonough and one of my favorite songs, uh, Wait, Am I in Love? And we're talking with Megan about a ton of things, including the appearance that you need to check out. She will be at Carnival on the 29th. Mm-hmm. of this month thursday seven o'clock carnival by the way you can see carnival when you're on the expressway it's that gorgeous brightly colored building if you're heading northbound on the dan ryan into the kennedy expressway mm-hmm. it's right there on the right it gets your eye a lot of parking around the area and you can call them about ticket information if you'd like to do that or just to show up there on thursday night but they're at 312 for an evening of the music of burt backrack and hal david a of love on leap day megan um so you just kind of casually mentioned going to buy some some <laughs> some healing bowls Crystal singing bowls yes and steve so, looked at me what like the, what the huh? heck is this all about <laughs> explain it to me so, lucy so i i heard crystal singing bowls gosh several years ago um at a, uh, a service, um, and I thought, well, what is this about? Of course, they're beautiful sound, and so I, I, I signed up to go to to another one and 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 to a gong bath. Uh, if you have wait a minute, to a what? <laughs> a gong bath. <laughs> a gong bath. So you go and and there are these huge gongs. And you you have a yoga mat or a, you know a blanket and you and, lay down. and what are you smoking while you're doing this? Steve, <laughs> you don't need to. You, you just need, let the gong need, sound wash over you. Uh, oh my gosh, you've got to go. I know it yeah, sounds right. way out there, and but but trust me, it has such calming and or and or energizing effect on on your whole being that the first time i went to a gong bath i started laughing yeah, I bet. <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> um, it's, it's something you have to experience for yourself but what we've found um i love studying about you know um uh meditation mm-hmm. um healing the central nervous system healing the uh the emotional nervous system. What we find is that sound. Well, I think it was Edgar Casey who said, "Music will be the medicine of the future." Mm-hmm. I believe and that. And we're finding so much about the healing properties of music, especially um, these crystal singing bowls, um, gongs, um, uh, Tibetan uh, bowls. They just have such a vibration that aligns with, okay, hang in there with me, see, the chakras of the body, which are the energy wheels in the body. And it's just, uh, the world is so at a frenzied pace that anything we can use to calm ourselves, um, humming, I always encourage people just hum i encourage my voice students to 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 start out slowly um get befriend the voice um people say uh, i say do you sing oh no gosh i i don't sing i'm a terrible i said it's the best thing you can do for your mind your brain 
It helps regulate the nervous system because you're breathing and you're calming. Mm-hmm. There's a, a something called toning, which you tone for a different uh, notes for the body. It's it's ancient and it's new. Th- it's new, you know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Everything old is new again. Okay, yeah. uh, uh, serious question. Uh, Mm-hmm. Do you find that, and I, I want to think of how to phrase this, when it comes to this kind of, I guess for lack of a better word, therapy, do you find that different sounds or different music selections work for different people? And, and I'll give you one example. For example, if I'm in a down mood, there is one song, and Johnny knows, mm-hmm. that will get me in a better mood. Now, this will probably not do it for anybody else on the planet, but for me, the opening piano of Jerry Lee Lewis's Whole Lot of Shakin' puts See, me in a better place. I was going to explain during the break, I was going to say to you that sound bowls are your Jerry Lee Lewis. It's That's just exactly that, what it does. In, in fact, they, they absolutely can be. Colin, just for a second, can you dig up Jerry Lee Lewis' Whole Lot of Shakin' going on? I don't want to hear the whole song. Just the very beginning instrumental. And I'm, I'm not kidding. If I am in a bad mood... Just that great boogie-woogie piano puts me in a great but place. believe it or not, if you're hearing a gong, if you're lying on your back, you're in a peaceful position, I, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Megan, and you hear the, the, the resonation of, of the gong, you feel it from the top of your head, or from your toes to your head, yeah. your head to your toes. Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, just for a second, here, here's about yeah. uh, the five seconds of Jerry Lee's piano. I'm in a better place already. <laughs> okay, it's that's medicine. all we need. It's medicine. That, there's for something, him. I, and I'm sure it doesn't do that for anybody else on the planet. But for me, I can be in the worst mood. Give me some Jerry Lee, crank it up, and I'm good. <laughs> but it does but, it for me too. And I'll tell you what: I, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay. I am not responsible for for my behavior if it comes out of a joke. You don't want to be with me because I no, I do. The daylights out of you. I will just start dancing. I don't care. Okay. Any particular Earth, Wind, and Fire song? Any Earth, Wind, and Fire, but Fantasy, um, September. Oh, September. Um, yes. Yeah, September. Yeah. yeah. How, how about after the yeah, love is gone? Mm. Oh. Just the joy, the sheer joy that that band brings is, is you know, a remarkable, remarkable um, musicians so, and just pure light. So, so basically, is this the same premise that you're talking about, that basically sound, music, sound can impact all of us? Uh, probably, re- probably different sounds for different people. Right, release but it stress. Can, yes, it, and it's yes. it, it's it's not a pill. It's nothing. It's just you put the sound into your brain and mm-hmm. your body reacts. Yeah. Well, I think they're they're proving that too with yeah. all with Alzheimer's patients that you yes. can you can get to a part of the brain with music in a way that you cannot with words. Have you ever seen the right. video of I forget who the guy was, but his he was a I believe a cab driver, and uh, he would take his father in the car with him, and he would play Frank Sinatra music, 
and his father had Alzheimer's, and he knew every word. And all of a sudden, bang! Yeah. He's there. He's singing Sinatra. He's good. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Because the part of the brain that remembers music never it, it is not affected by by the Alzheimer's. It's it's miraculous. It is. It really, truly how, is. How lyrics can come back to you. You know, you'll be you, a song will pop into your head. Do you ever wake up with a song in your head? Oh, just about every <laughs> single day. In fact, the weird thing is, and yeah. I will tell Johnny every now and then, I don't know why this is on the jukebox in my head, but something will just be there, yeah. and it'll, be, and I can't get rid of it until, until I go play and I, I play it. Yeah, he says I have to go play this song. I think, <laughs> I think that's a message from universe. I I do. I think you know. Next time it happens, ask yourself, hmm, because it's a great question. Why is this in my head? Mm-hmm. Why, it, why? It will usually tell you something. It, it's maybe an answer to um, a, a question you have, or it might be a, you know, might be an answer to a problem. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like anali- analyzing your dreams as a yeah. whole. You look specifically at the music yeah. that came to you in that dream state. Megan, well, we got to get you in the studio. <laughs> it's been too long. I, I just, we, I, I, absolutely. You guys, this has been so fun. And I want to tell you that Howard Levy sends his love. Oh, oh ha- Howard is the best. The other day, we were... Yeah. He he has he has nothing but love for you guys. Oh, like he's a treasure. You know, we're so lucky Thank in you. Chicago. We have so many musical treasures right here. And you can see one of them, Megan McDonough, Thursday night, 730 Carnival, 702 West Fulton Market in Chicago. You can uh, go to CarnivalChicago.com, get more details, but just be there and sing along. Burt Backron at Hal David Music. Thank you so much, Megan. This has been fun, Megan. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys. Back Thank at you. you. Take care. Bye-bye now. She is so much fun. She's an absolute treasure. Uh, We're going to segue to uh, computer stuff with our computer guru, Patrick Crispin. So stay with us at WGN Radio. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. Just stumble on that this week. I, I have like no it. idea who that is. It's uh, Ostenio is the artist, and it's called Computer Talk. And oddly enough, that's what we're going to be all about as we bring in our resident computer guru, the Director of Educational Technology at the Keck School of Medicine at USC. And that would be your Dr. Patrick Crispin. Hey, Patrick, how you doing? Hi, Patrick. Woohoo! How are you guys doing? Good, 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 good. good. Let, let me start with the thing that was uh, top of mind for every AT&T customer Thursday on the planet. Morning. Yeah, Thursday morning, woke up bright and early. And I guess this was all across the country, right, Patrick? They woke up and they did not have their, their lifeline known as their phone service. AT&T went out for about 10 to 12 hours on Thursday. It was fixed by about 3 p.m. Eastern time. Down Detector, which is a site where people can go and report whether or not they saw an issue, said about 70,000 people were reporting outages. The number was in the million. It was global. I mean, it's all over the United States of America. So, I'm sorry, not necessarily global, but, you know, all over America. Um, If you had AT&T, if you had Cricket, um, you didn't have 
any signal at all. If you're an Android user, you were kind of dead in the water. If you were an Apple user, you were shown SOS and were given the option that you could send SOS messages through a satellite if you had a newer iPhone. Um, it looks like what happened behind the scenes was that, according to AT&T, there was, quote, an application and execution of an incorrect process used as we were expanding our network, not a cyber attack, which is a fancy way of saying, oops, we applied a bad update. Mm -hmm. Um, They fixed it. um, But what this shows is how dependent all of us are on our mobile devices. Mm -hmm. As more and more people are getting rid of their landlines, you know, it's, it's really hard if you don't have any signal at all to be able to do anything. And, and think about the people who have integrated cell phones into their work, particularly if you're an AT&T. Yeah. Yep. If you're a gig worker or you rely, you rely on the gig economy, and imagine that you're at a bar or you're at a school somewhere and you need to call Uber and there's no signal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do if you need DoorDash to come and bring you food and there's mm-hmm. no signal? And something that a lot of people didn't pick up in the media, um, so many people rely on cellular for two-factor authentication. Yep. Where if you try to log in, even if you have Wi-Fi, oh, you try to log yep. in oh my with gosh. two-factor authentication, and it's, and it's not some sort of hardware-based two-factor authentication yeah. or, you know, like Duo or, or, or something like that, but actually sending you a text message. Um, if the cellular network's down, you ain't doing any work. You're not getting in. So this is a really, really, really bad situation. As a Reddit user joked, though, but the good news about this is, all AT&T users can expect to see a $5 credit next month, yeah. and their bills are then going to spike $10 a month. Yeah. <laughs> but th- th- let me hold you on this, but I want to take you uh, d- uh, back to something you said. If you have a landline, but yes. haven't most landlines within the past several years segued from they are no longer analog to, like in the case of our landline uh, here, it is now AT&T, what is it, P2P? Uh, I forget the uh, the terminology. Uh, but basically, it's a digital landline that AT&T said, okay, we now have to put this in. Yeah, you're keeping a landline, but it's, but, uh, it's digital technology. Were those impacted by this, too? No. And that's the, that's the actual positive thing that's going on here is that this really seems to have only impacted their cellular network. So if you were using a wired network, in other words, you have a wire connected mm-hmm. to your device that's connected to the wall, mm-hmm. that's connected to AT&T that then connects downstream, mm-hmm. um, we do not see anyone reporting that that network was down as well. So, so, so again, and I'm emphasizing this, not a bad thing to hold on to a landline for emergency situations. It is a good idea. The thing is, is it worth the cost? And and this is such a unique situation. This has not happened that often to see a network like this go down for 10 hours. 
I can't recall something like this on a nationwide scale in a long time. Um, so you kind of have to do the cost-benefit analysis where the cost of you keeping your landline, is it worth it mm-hmm. to you? If you desperately need to have access to 911, which was a big issue, if mm-hmm. you have no cellular and you can't contact 911, um, that's a that's a big issue. If you're a business, you probably want to have a landline so that you have a way to contact the contact the authorities. It's a risk, but is it, it's kind of like, do you really want to pay that extra for that insurance? Is it necessary? And that's going to be a call you have to make. Yeah, in my case, the answer is yes. And I think in our yeah. case, we're, we're spending just shy of $30 a month yeah. to have a basic yeah. phone line mm-hmm. in the house. Both here and, and at in, our Florida home. In Florida, yes. And sometimes uh, they've tried to talk us out of it, but it was ironic because on Thursday, by the time 10 or 12 hours had passed, on the 4 and 5 o'clock news, there were spokespeople saying, now, if this has concerned you, you need to think about getting a landline. Yeah. And I said, since when are they selling landlines? Yeah, <laughs> that was the crazy thing. Yeah, it's one 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 side of the of the company doesn't know what the other side is doing. So, so it seems the company wants they want you to get off get off of landlines, but then they realize, hey, wait a minute, we can sell landlines now. That yes, mm-hmm. yes. And real quick <laughs> okay. for people who say, well, doesn't everybody just rely on their cell phone? A 2022 survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found that only 29% of U.S. adults live in a house with a landline. In 2004, yeah. 90% of us had a landline. Yeah. That was in 2004. The crossover happened around 2015, which is when smartphone sales entered the boom period, and we realized that we could do everything that we did before, but we could carry it with us. We didn't have to be hooked up to a line. When we moved to Rancho Cucamonga, you know, six, seven years ago before Joseph was born, um, we actually had the cellular provider, and the cellular provider had a bundle for us that included the television, the internet, and phone, right. home phone. And, you know, it was cheaper to, to keep the home phone in the bundle. We never actually connected the phone. <laughs> and honestly, it's been eight, seven, seven, eight years since we've had uh, a landline in our house. We just haven't needed it. Cellular has, for the most part, worked. There have been some tower outages here and there, but it's, for the most part, it's been mostly reliable. Do, do we have any indication how or if at all this impacted some telematics systems in cars like OnStar or something like that that does work off your phone but also has kind of a separate uh, digital network? Do you know anything about that? I have not seen anything, and I'm not sure what network OnStar uses. Yeah, because they changed, um, uh, as of the first of, I think, last year, yeah. they changed the, yeah. the network. But basically, it's, there are different automotive manufacturers have right. different telematics um, systems that are synced to their cars and then to your phone, too. Mm-hmm. By the way, Google to the, end, to the, to the answer, um, AT&T is what OnStar uses. Oh. So, 
So I wonder um, how that impacted some, them. Yeah. GM users, is, and you were impacted. We'd love to hear from you. Wow. Well, uh, real quick, a listener says, uh, do you know if your landline is the old-fashioned copper landline? I don't know that. But the uh, listener says, here in Milwaukee, I'm paying 80 bucks a month for a copper landline. 80 wow. Wow. Because I know in Florida, to keep my dad equipped with a landline along with his cell phone, we wanted him to be able mm-hmm. because, you know, he was used to using a cell phone, but I thought in an instance of a 911 call, yep. he'd be more inclined to pick up a landline and call for help. And we called the phone company and said, what's the bare minimum? And they said, you can have it for $22 a month. Mm-hmm. But I specifically said, we want the bare minimum. Yeah. He's not going to be using it unless there's an emergency. Right. So it might be worth... I would be careful relying on somebody at the telephone company telling you that it's a copper landline because the reality is that once it leaves your house, it's going digital. The the entire network is already digital. Um, Once it gets to the box in your network, it's not a copy a copper wire going back to a switch like it used to be. Right. They 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 got rid of that in the eighties. Is isn't that so, the term voice over IP VoIP? Yeah, VoIP. Yeah. That's what I was trying to. Th- yeah. I, I said PIP Vo- VoIP. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So so I mean basically it, I mean telephony is a networking connectivity. It's it's using network connect connections, but it's using wired network connections. But it's not like Again, the old switchboards are gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Those were yanked out a long time ago. We got to take a break. A whole lot more ground to cover with Patrick, so stay with us at WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. We're talking with Dr. Patrick Crispin. If you have any uh, questions, comments, whatever, you can get to us at 312-981-7200. One final uh, thing about this business of AT&T outage. A listener says, working in a doctor's office, we have to maintain a phone line because we still use a fax machine. Mm-hmm. I, I've forgotten about that. And as, as we found out over the past couple of years, for the most secure form of communication, various companies will request you have to send this particular uh, sensitive document via fax. Yep, faxes are still around. And the other thing that's kind of shocking from the medical world is that pagers still exist and are used heavily in doctors' offices and especially hospitals. And the reason why, I mean, you think about that, pagers, we haven't heard about them since the 80s mm-hmm. um, and 90s. Uh, why are why do doctors still use them? Do they not know current modern technology? And the answer is because they operate at such an ultra-low frequency that the signal can get to them anywhere, regardless of how much concrete there is in mm-hmm. the room that they're in. So they could be in the most concrete in the embedded room of the hospital, they can get a message sent to their their pager uh, that would never get to them on their phone, 
unless they had Wi-Fi ubiquitous. Yeah, so I'm just glad. Still exist. I'm glad that management did not know that 40 years ago when yep. they gave us a pager <laughs> and said, "Now you folks will be on call in the event that the guy that's on in the evening is uh-huh. not able to make it. You'll need to jump in your car and get down here." And we said, uh, uh, "We didn't hear that pager. It must have been in a place where we didn't get the signal." Golly. <laughs> Particular- I'm not kidding you. Didn't get to us. Uh, particularly when that guy uh, had a number of days in a row when at the last minute, I mean oh, yeah. literally about an hour before the show was supposed to start. Eh, 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 uh, the pager goes off uh, and we went, uh-uh, I don't hear anything. Do you hear something? Well, now, quite seriously, what you're talking about, Patrick, a listener says, so what are my options if I want a phone that I can rely on if I need to call 911? If the Internet goes down due to weather or hacking, then VoIP doesn't work. What can I get so that I know I have a 911 capability? It's a great question, and there isn't a very simple answer. One of the things you might want to think about is a cheap burner phone on another network Mm. um, and just have it as a backup. So if you are an AT&T subscriber, if you were using T-Mobile or you were using Verizon, you wouldn't have that problem. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, if T-Mobile or Verizon goes down, we hope AT&T is is still going to be up. We haven't seen a situation yet where more than one network was down, so... Having a second network might be a good option. The other thing is a landline. If you, I mean, if you can talk to your your telephone company and say, "Hey, do you offer landlines?" It's a possibility. But of course, if you lose connectivity, that's a problem. Especially if your telephone company is your cable company. Mm-hmm. If the cable goes down, you could very well lose your telephone. My goodness. You mentioned SOS. Literally, yes. you have the capability on a new iPhone to send an SOS if you need it? Yes. The the iPhone 14, um, I believe that was when, when they first introduced it, has the ability for you to use a satellite SOS. And it's basically you're sending a very short text message. Uh, something where the your phone will kind of walk you through the process of going outside, pointing your phone at the satellite, and then it will send you a, you can send a sort of prompted message to the authorities. And what it's, it's something that happens in an SOS. I will tell you the other thing that, that's kind of the funny, but also sad from the AT&T, AT&T situation is when the network started coming back up, People were calling 911 yeah. reportedly oh, yeah. to say, hey, is is this working now? Is yeah. this working now? And it's like the 911 had to say, stop calling us unless this is an emergency. That's right. That that also popped up on the 5 o'clock news that day. Yeah. 911 spokespersons were saying, please, don't use us as a testing ground. And for people who... Yeah. Uh, for people who are saying, well... What about uh, analog phones? Am I wrong, Patrick? Or didn't analog phones used to have the SOS capability? Uh, I don't believe so because... because I'm sorry, I I said analog. I meant Android. uh, Android Android for a while was trying to go using Snapdragon 
to to do satellite in the Iridium satellite network. And the folks at Google decided to kill that, as hmm. Google is want to do to kill everything. Uh, <laughs> but they, this, <laughs> but this is one of the things where it just no, they're not. It they tried to do it. It doesn't work. The only phone that right now you can do satellite calls for with for that is a consumer phone and not a true dedicated satellite phone um, is the iPhone. And it's, it's not, you're not making calls. You're in effect texting Texting. to Mm -hmm. emergency, emergency responders and not even actually sending text. There's going to be a menu that it goes through and it's, and it says, okay, what's the problem? Mm -hmm. And you click on this little thing. I, you know, I'm in a crash or I'm lost or I need help. And it then uses that information to send it to the authorities. Uh, one final note, uh, Laboratory Jan says AT&T will not provide a landline in my townhouse association. They abolished mine 10 years ago. Uh, so you got to check with your townhouse association yeah. before yeah. you go into it. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, sit tight. We'll come back. We've got more questions talking. Sit uh, tight or, or hang loose. Hang loose. Whatever yeah. feels good. <laughs> we'll take a quick break and come right back on WGN. King and Johnny Putman of WGN Radio, ACDC Cyberspace, admitted it's growing on you. I have to admit, I got a smile this time. I (laughs) thought I saw that happening. I'm listening in my headphones going, oh, this is Cyberspace, ACDC. We're talking with uh, Patrick Christman about uh, Cyberspace stuff. And uh, we want to jump back to uh, something we were talking about before the news uh, and bring Colin. Uh, you had a comment about the uh, SOS and the uh, uh, your phone. Yeah, so I have uh, a comment with a bit of a question attached to it. I have AT and T in a newer uh, iPhone, and when I woke up that morning, of course, there was no connection. But when I was in my house, I was able to use the the phone services. And as you brought up, everything is kind of digital now. So because of the towers being down, is my phone just searching for a connection at all in any type of Wi-Fi or or digital connection? Does my phone work because of that? Yes. And your most modern phones, most modern cell phones, will try to default to the cellular network. But if the cellular network's not there, it's going to try to connect to a Wi-Fi network. Provided that the Wi-Fi network is still up, and there, I think there's a setting on the iPhone that you need to set to say, hey, actually prefer or use wireless calling, uh, Wi-Fi calling. You can actually then use your cell phone. This is actually really helpful um, in situations where you're in a place, for example, when I'm at work, uh, my office is a Faraday cage. There is no way I'm getting a cellular signal in my uh, in my office. But... Because we've got ubiquitous wireless across USC, and my iPhone then will say, okay, I can't see the cell phone network, but I see USC Secure Wireless. I'm going to connect to USC Secure Wireless, and any telephone calls you get now, I'm going to connect to you through Wi-Fi instead of through cellular. So to answer your question, yes, if you have access to Wi-Fi, you can still use on most phones your telephone. 
Okay, then I have a final uh, text on this very subject because POTS stands for Plain Old Telephone Service, right? That's POTS, P-O-T-S. So the texter at 847 says, telephone companies like AT&T offer POTS lines, and those are powered by the central office to your location. If you can pick up your phone without power or internet and get a dial tone, it's a landline like you had growing up. Companies like Xfinity offer VoIP landline, and for those to work, you need power and a broadband connection. AT&T changed the name of their VoIP service. It was UVerse. It requires a broadband connection, and yes, many condos don't have the infrastructure to support POTS. So it's that they, they don't have the infrastructure, mm-hmm. he says, not just because they're being difficult. Right. <laughs> right? No, the, yeah, they've, they've, they've ripped the wires out or they never put the wires in in the first place. Yeah. So yeah. this is why we have the best listeners in the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sending that message. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and moving on, because we have a bunch of questions that have come in tonight, and... Do we want to jump on Gmail for a second? Yes, yes. Let's uh, the whole business of Gmail <laughs> shutting down. What's that all about? So there is a message that's going around on X. That's warning sign number one. Yep. Uh, that as of August first, twenty twenty four, Gmail will be officially sunsetted. It's not going anywhere. Everybody, this is a lie. Uh, making it send a service. It's not going anywhere. This means that as of this date. Gmail will no longer support sending, receiving, or storing emails, except it will. This is a lie. Um, This was a rumor that somebody started passing around on X, so that's a big sign because there's no trust and safety on X anymore, formerly Twitter. Uh, Second clue, and just stop for a minute. Gmail has, and this number just gobsmacked me when I found it out, more than 1.8 billion active users 1.8 billion with a b active users hmm. are using gmail google has a history of killing products they love killing products <laughs> they do it all the time there's a website called killedbygoogle.com <laughs> that lists all of that lists all of google's products that they've killed so far 293 are killed so far. Google Pay was actually just killed this week. They're now replacing it with Google Wallet. But Gmail isn't going anywhere at all. You don't have to worry about it, with one exception. Uh-huh. Is that is that the AT, uh, .html exception? Uh, it's, it, yeah, here's what's going on, is if you are blind... And we have a lot of blind listeners. And you use Gmail, and you're using basic HTML to read it. Google's turning that off. They're going to be going to what they're calling the standard view. So if you use a screen reader to use Gmail in basic HTML view, there are some settings you're going to have to change in JAWS or whatever screen reader you're using. There is a guide that Google has put out at, called the Guide for Screen Reader Users Switching from Basic HTML View to Standard View in Gmail. I'm just going to give you an address, and I actually made a short short URL for you so you don't have to write down this huge address. So if you are blind, you are using JAWS, you're using the Gmail and Basic HTML, so we're a very small circle here of, of users, but let's, let's point to those people. 
you need to go to bit, B-I-T dot L-Y. There's more to this. So that's bit dot Lee, B-I-T dot L-Y slash W-G-N Gmail. So if you go to bit.ly slash WGN Gmail, I actually made a short URL at bit.ly.wgm Gmail that points you straight to Google's guide for screen readers switching for basic HTML view to standard view in Gmail. So that's really the only people who are going to be impacted. I think this was just some, it was the story about Gmail shutting down on August 21st or August 1st garbage from a network you can't trust anymore. It's just not true. But there is a a kernel of truth that if Mm -hmm. you're blind and you're using JAWS, you have to make some setting changes. But I showed you how to do it. And we will have a link to that uh, up on our blog. Uh, Let me, just just for a second, let me go to something else that people haven't thought about for, I wonder how many people haven't thought about it for as long as I hadn't thought about it. Uh, there is a social network called MeWe, and I I have a MeWe account. I hadn't used it for about 10 months, stumbled on it by accident yesterday, and went to the account, looked at it, did a post or two, and looked around, and it didn't seem like a whole lot had changed since the last time I was there. So my question to you, Patrick, is... Uh, is it still doing anything? What, what's going on with MeWe? Because at the time it came out, it said, here is the network you want. We're going to protect your privacy. This is what we're at all time, about. Yeah. What happened was everybody in the early teens was concerned about Facebook privacy. And there were a lot of new companies that popped up and said, we're going to be the next Facebook. We're going to be different. And MeWe was one of them, actually probably the most popular of them. Of them. They call themselves the next-gen social network. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2012, they launched, and it was des- described to be a very, very secure, private social network. You don't have to worry about us selling your information to Cambridge Analytica and whoever. It ran into the problem that, a lot of new social media sites have, which is social media sites are only as good as the users. And you have to have a very robust user base for a social media site to thrive. Not a lot, not a lot of people joined MeWe. Not a lot of people stayed on MeWe. It's kind of like MySpace today in that it's there. <laughs> people know it's there, but nobody's using it, at least Nobody that I know of that's using it is mm-hmm. not a major player like Threads, right? Like, well, you know, well, still X is still a popular site out there, like Blue Sky um, and and all the other all the other social media sites out there. But MeWe, yeah, it's it's an also ran, and it was a great idea, but uh, unfortunately, not a lot of people signed up for it because it had a dumb name. MeWe is just a dumb name. It sounds like a nursery rhyme. MeWe! 
I'm sorry. It sounds like, it sounds like Beaker in, in The Muppets. <laughs> You're right. Yes, yes. All right, we got a lot more ground to cover. I promised a couple of listeners that we would get Patrick to talk about antivirus. One listener said, I'm using McAfee. Should I let that go and go somewhere else? What does Patrick suggest? And I'm going to shock you. The best antivirus for a Windows box is nothing. Yep. You don't need to buy anything. Windows Defender, which comes built into Microsoft Windows, mm-hmm. is really, really good. It's free. It's included in your in your computer. Going out and buying these extra programs isn't actually necessary for most people. If you have a good antivirus program like Windows Defender, which is built into Microsoft Office, or sorry, Microsoft Windows, and maybe a good malware tool. The free version of Malware Bytes is perfectly fine for PC users, um, followed with a little, you know, just being careful on what you click on and where you visit, you're going to be protected. You don't need to spend any money if you have a PC anymore to get a good antivirus program. Because realistically, antivirus is now so much more than just antivirus. You need anti-malware and anti-spyware. And so Windows Defender, that's what I very strongly recommend if you have a Mac. Um, it's a little different. The Mac does not have a built-in antivirus. You do need to look at one. Macworld actually recommends something called Intego, I-N-T-E-G-O, Intego Mac Internet Security X9. has a two-way firewall, really, really good performance in it. Um, it's Mac-specific, and it's $24.99 a year. Um, but I do recommend every Mac user does need to have an antivirus if you're if your company or organization doesn't give you one, Intego is a good one. And boy, is is that a switching of the way things used to be? Uh, yeah. A years ago when they first came out with it, Windows Defender was, but boy, oh, is it is it good now? And yeah. uh, for years, you never thought about antiviruses with Macs. Now you got to think about see, an antivirus with this Mac. Is a sign of the apocalypse. It is. I'm just. I'm it looking is. it up right now to see where that's documented. Yeah. A sign there, of there the apocalypse. There are the four horsemen. I see. Them. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, maybe you're not prepared to answer this tonight because you are an iPhone user. But I'm like a two call, two texters tonight that wanted to know if they needed to be concerned about antivirus on their phone. And we if have an Andro- iOS, we have Android phones. Yeah, if, you, if you are an iOS, no. If you have an Android, maybe. It depends on what you do on your Android device and where you get your apps. Hmm. So if you're getting your apps from the Google Play Store, you don't have to worry about it. If you're downloading apps from, you know, you know, I have a virus dot R U. Okay. You're going to have some problems. Yeah, you're, you're playing with fire. Okay. <laughs> um, speaking of phones, our boy Joseph, in a matter of weeks, will be eight years old. That, yes. That, that's just wrong. Heart, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> he looks like he's 14. But that's the reality. He really does. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Uh, got a picture last week. You guys were out celebrating Pokemon because this is a February is a big month for Pokemon because Pokemon, yep. I guess next Tuesday, it's the birthday of Pokemon and it's uh, what, 20 something years old, 28 years old. But you guys went to an event last weekend at the Rose Bowl, 
And yep, the Pokemon Go Sinnoh tour, Los Angeles, and it was like twenty thousand Pokemon trainers wow. walking around the Rose Bowl and the uh, and the golf course next door, catching Pokemon. And um, <laughs> Joseph was playing on Christine's iPad and tethered to my phone, and it just kept dropping. And of course, telling a seven-year-old why he can't catch, you know, a, a, a Palkia is really kind of you know, hard. <laughs> So um, it's not like you're speaking a foreign language. I know. I, I don't understand this. I've been playing Pokemon Go since July 31st. I still don't know. Anything. Oh my gosh! Um, but I'm Joseph loves it. So we're. I texted Chris. I said, you know, I could probably get a new line on our phone for 20 bucks. Let's just get him a phone. And so we ended up getting him a phone so he can come back to the Rose Bowl and catch Pokemon. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I got to tell you, I, it made my evening when I opened my phone and it said, Hi, Gigi, it's me, Joseph. And I went, Oh my God. <laughs> he just sent me a text. And, well, and remember, the iPhone does text to, text to speech or uh, speech to text. So yeah. he's actually, you know, saying the message and, and then sending oh, it. Oh, that's sweet. And, and we both saved uh, Joseph's number, and the picture is of Joseph with his phone. In front of the Pokemon. Yes, in front in of front the, of the Pokemon Go tour. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> well, did you guys hear about the Statue of Liberty? His other favorite thing in the world is the Statue of, of uh, not the Empire State Building. He loves Empire the Statue State, of Liberty. Yes. Empire State Building, though, is a favorite of his. You guys have been there. And to celebrate Pokemon, it's going to be all lit up special on Tuesday. It's going to be lit in Pokemon colors because there's going to be a new Pokemon TV show, the first one in 25 years. Years, I mean, this is crazy. It's I have again. I don't understand it, but I know my son likes it. So no, he loves it. My job, my (laughs) job is to go out there, catch the best Pokemon, and then trade it to my son for the worst Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to hold you on this for a second, Patrick, because on one hand we're talking about okay, Joseph, eight years old, getting a phone. What? Safety things did you make sure were done so that you feel okay about giving your eight-year-old a phone? That's a fantastic question. It turns out that Apple allows you to set up children's accounts, and the children's accounts allow you to put in screen time plus app purchasing blocks plus you can monitor what what the kid can and cannot do. Uh, we're watching what he does. We've made sure and very specifically told him he cannot use TikTok. He can't use any social media. He pretty much uses it to play games and to play Pokemon and to watch some YouTube kid videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we're very careful to lock that down. I actually have a, a uh, YouTube uh, subscription, so the family subscription, so he doesn't see the ads that show up there. So this isn't just, hey, here, here, kid, here's an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually did go through a lot of setting changes in this to make sure that he is being very, very careful and that we're monitoring his activity. Is there any Android phone that would allow you to do this kind of safety precaution setup? And also, could we impose upon you maybe the next time we talk, could we just put together a list of kid-protecting things to do if you're going to get your eight-year-old a phone. 
Absolutely. Let's talk about that next week. We'll talk about how to set up uh, Android with uh, for a kid, how to go through an iPhone with a kid, and also some things that you should do if you're setting up an iPhone for the first time or if you haven't haven't actually gone through the settings in a long time. We'll talk about a couple things next time. I need a limiter on my phone. I need it to just go black after a certain time. It's, yep. it, it's just going to say you spent way too much time holding this phone. That's why your shoulder hurts. That's why your neck is, that's why you're walking funny. Stop it now. The, the, the iPhone does have screen time where you can say, I'm only going to let you watch your screen for a certain amount of time from this hour to this hour from this, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. and you can limit access. I'm not sure if that can be done in Android, but we'll find out. Well, my phone has started giving me a report every week and yes. I look at time spent and I'm horrified. I say, you're lying. That's not me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Somebody else is using my phone. I'm not kidding. I, I, and it seems to me it's only been in recent months that they've made this so readily available to me to shame me but and i'm not just trying to defend you uh but the lion's share of the time you spend on your phone makes its way to these microphones oh absolutely i'm not using a desktop i'm not using a laptop i'm using my phone for all of my research all of my reading people send me uh books i'm reading their their you know Mm -hmm. a guest book i'm reading it on my phone i feel better can you imagine if i if we were to go back in history when we first started website wednesday night and i would tell you that you would not use a landline anymore, mm-hmm. that all of your show planning would be done by a little phone that you hold in your hand yep. and carry around in your pocket all day. You'd look at me as if, yep. what are you talking about? We now are wedded to our phones. We need them to communicate, to see the world, to get information, which is why that AT&T disruption was so disruptive yeah. for everybody and kind of wake-up call for everybody. Yep. See how we came back to Full the... Full circle. You think we don't plan this show? <laughs> it's the was script. that a good button or was that a good eye? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Thank you so much, as always, Patrick. And hug a boy for us if you can get him to put down his phone. <laughs> <laughs> I shall. Thank you. Take care. And you can find Patrick, uh, just go at Chrisman on all the uh, social media uh, platforms. We'll be back on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio, and you're wondering why are they playing uh, MC Hammer? Can't touch this because couple reasons. couple reasons. It was 40 years ago today we first heard that song. This is the anniversary. Yes, forty years ago. Colin, you know can't touch this, right? Of course you do. Oh yeah. Probably because you've heard it in movies too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because get a load of this, guys. I'm looking up MC Hammer can't touch this because of the anniversary, Mm -hmm. and this is what I'm going to put under the heading of things I learned. While looking up other things, which was a uh, uh, a column that Sidney J. Harris, who right. used to be a writer for the Chicago Tribune, uh, Chicago Sun Times, right. used to do, and um, and they were great columns too. Mm-hmm. I, I love those. 
nowadays I say I fell down a rabbit hole mm-hmm. because I'll start looking up one thing and I go down the rabbit hole and next you know I've gone 14 right. other places. I'm, I'm webbing. I'm looking at all these other things. So that's what happened when I did a search for can't touch this. Mm-hmm. I come to find out that, and this is a new piece of data, 4,000 movies have been studied and sources have extracted the songs that are played more often than any other songs. And the number one song is MC Hammer, Can't Touch This. That amazes me. I know. It's the number one song played in movies as of this year. New data. I can't see, even believe that. See, I would have thought, I don't know that it would be number one, but I would think that Jingle Bell Rock would be <clears throat> in the top ten. Uh, it's in the top ten. So is Spirit in the Sky. Uh, sadly, yeah. It, it made Norman... In, in fact, for a long time, wasn't Spirit in the Sky the number one? Number we, one. we interviewed Norman Greenbaum. Right. And, and he, he literally, one hit wonder, who retired, bought a house... He's doing well, thank you very much, because of the royalties from mm-hmm. Spirit in the Sky in movie after movie after movie. Do you remember the night that we interviewed him? He said he was medicated because he had fallen over a sheep, Yep, one of his sheep, and he, he broke his On foot his farm. or something. And, and so I think we, it was a farm out in California, I believe. Well, it just got weird. Yeah. It really did. But he was a wonderful interview. It got as weird as you would think it would get with, <laughs> with Spirit Norm, in the Sky yeah, Norman Greenbaum. Greenbaum. Because he talked about writing that song, and you're absolutely right. It was the song. Song, Jingle Bell Rock, again, honorable mention, but as of January 23rd of 2024, data has been extracted from movies, and can't touch this, MC Hammer is the number one song in movies. Is there a, a rest of the top ten list of the songs in movies? Well, actually, they took me in a different direction. <clears throat> because you can't touch this. <laughs> I, I had a little sneezing fit off the air, so you have to forgive me because I'm trying to get my voice back. <clears throat> it's like suddenly I was allergic to the room. <laughs> um, it took me to uh, another survey that was done right after the first of the year. People were asked, thousands of people were asked, what song do you think of when you think of a song from movies? So this is not proven fact, but it's what's, what song... Or they actually said, what songs do you think of when you think of songs from movies? See, I don't know if I'm a good person to ask that because I think specifically of various music songs. Music songs. uh, Music movies. Loving You, Mean Moon Blues, Jailhouse Rock, uh, Mm -hmm. I Saw Her Standing There, uh, Beatles, uh, Help, Hard Day's Night. See, you're talking about music movies. Yeah. They were asking, when you think of songs in movies, what are the songs that come to mind? Now, here we go. The 10 most commonly thought of songs in movies and TV. They expanded it to movies and TV. It's the top 10. Take On Me. Uh Aha. And I found myself going, really? Uh, I know. Really? I love the video for that, but I, I wouldn't think of that as... Okay. Number nine, Escape, the Pina Colada song, <laughs> which, mm, okay. okay, Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm thinking of that, but again, I think of... That reminds me, we have to get in touch with Rupert Holmes. Yes, we do. 
a listener asked about him just a couple of weeks ago via text. Uh, the Pina Colada song, Grown Ups, Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Call, Better Call Saul, Bl- uh, Bloodline, Training Day. These are some of the mm-hmm. th- the movies slash TV shows that you would hear the Pina Colada song. All right. Um, this is How We Do It by Montel Jordan. Hmm. That is apparently a song that people think of because it's in Sonic the Hedgehog, Yellow Jackets, Eight Mile, American Reunion, and This Means War. Okay. Number six, September, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Again, people were asked, what song do you think of when you think of songs from movies? Okay, I I would say uh, CCR, uh, Have You Ever Seen the Rain? Hmm. No, but Fortunate Son is in like the top five of most played songs in movies. What about Proud Mary? Well, you think. Done by any number of people. Yeah. But number five on this list of songs that you think of when you think of songs in movies, let's get it on. Marvin Gaye. I can't think of a single movie that I remember hearing. Let's get it on. There's got to be some James Brown in there. No. Spirit in the Sky is number four on this list. Because it's a very long list of movies that it's been in. From Ocean's Eleven to Suicide Squad to Apollo 13, Remember the Titans. Number three, You Can't Touch This, MC Hammer. Now, this is number three songs you think of when you think of versus songs that have actually been proven to be the most popular songs so mc hammer can't touch this pops up on two different lists number two is push it by salt and peppa really Mm. but it's a long list of tv shows that that show that song pops up Mm -hmm. on and number one the number one song that people think of when they think of a song from a movie is eye of the tiger survivor oh boy and Jim Peterick has to love that. Well, when I came across this story, yeah. I immediately sent it to Jim Peterick, and he had not seen it. He'd not heard this, and um, the email I got back from him was really very funny. Uh, he, he thanked me. He said, we're going to have to post. Jim bought some very nice cars, <laughs> yeah. thanks to Eye of the Tire. Eye of the Tire, yes. It's heard in 47 films and TV shows and commercials just the other night. I said, stop it. Right now, a commercial was playing, and you stopped it, and I said, that's Eye of the Tiger playing in the background. Mm-hmm. So you don't always have to hear him or anyone <laughs> and, and, singing and, and the for song. for those of you who don't know, uh, Jim Peterick, yes, Ides of March leader, uh, but also he was with Survivor for many, many years. Right. And wrote Eye of the Tiger and... Co-wrote it, yeah. Yeah, co-wrote it, and boy, has that... Been, paid for a number of cars for him. Been very, very good to him. So there you have it. That's things I learned in route to looking up one thing, the other things that I learned. And speaking of Jim Peterick, we heard from some people who said apparently the Cornerstones of Rock uh, yes. show was really, really good. And we had him on the radio with us a couple weeks yeah, ago so he could promote him. that show. He's been a very busy guy. He had a couple of uh, uh, shows uh at the room called uh, Nani's, N-O-N-N-Y. Uh, that, and then uh, what was the acoustic show they did? Uh, in what Indiana. Does they call it the Jive Five out in uh, Indiana. It was yeah. kind of an acoustic show. And then they've got, um, I guess, Cornerstone Rock, though. Boy, yeah. that's taken on a, a, just uh, an amazing and life. And they're doing, on the Ides of March, they're doing their yes. orchestra show. 
the 60-year anniversary of the Ides of March. Yes. Uh, ooh, I got to look it up. We'll St. Take, Charles, I think? Uh, no, it, uh, it's, it's a big no? venue. Uh, I'll look okay. it up. We'll take a break, and we'll come back, and I'll have that information, because that's coming up, and you need to get your tickets right away, because I'm sure it's going to sell out. But more here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putnam at WGN Radio. That's one of those songs you don't need to play anymore. I know. (laughs) You know who it is. You know what it is. Well, our producer, who was off tonight because he was photographing a family event. Julian. Yes. Julian chimes in with it's the Norris Cultural Arts Center on the Ides of March. Of course, that's in St. Charles. Thank you, Julian. Yes, thank you very much. Um, The Ides of March as part of their Diamond Anniversary Tour, celebrating 60 years with all the original members, have this special concert at the Norris Cultural Arts Center in St. Charles. The Ides will be accompanied by the Eye of the Tiger Pops Orchestra. Shining a new light on the beloved songs written or co-written by Jim Peterick, such as Eye of the Tiger, Vehicle, and Hold On Loosely, which has become evergreen favorites far and wide. The orchestra project is a collaboration with noted Chicago musician Ed Vodica, who has arranged the Ides tunes for strings, woodwinds, brass, and percussion, complementing the band's rock instruments and legendary singing voices. It should be pretty cool. I would bet the ranch that a video is going to be mm-hmm. made of that. Yep, I'm sure. That would be very, very cool. Tickets, uh, you can go to the NorrisCulturalArts.com for ticket information. Um, and it looks like they can give you the whole lowdown of what's available. But I would suggest, if you have any thought whatsoever of taking in that concert, and that would be on a Friday night, the Eyes of March, yeah. because on Saturday we're in here, and then Sunday is St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. By the way, speaking of future things, uh, before we uh, completely run out of time, I should mention that next week, A, we don't start till 1030, mm-hmm. and B, uh, Sydney Freeman. Sydney Friedman, the uh, musical, ma- mentalist. musical mentalist, will be joining us in studio, so uh, mm-hmm. uh, he will play some mind games with you. Yes. And also Tom Appel will be joining us. Mm-hmm. Colin, I'm sorry you're not going to be here next week for Sidney Friedman. Cause have, you, have you encountered him on any of the shows? I don't think so. Not that I can remember. You would remember, because he would freak you out. He does things. One of my favorite times was when Ernie... Staten, the the uh, production guru here, he was willing to come in and and play along with Sydney, mm-hmm. and Ernie just got out of his chair and backed out and said, "That's just weird. That's that's witchcraft." For just one of the things, and we've seen Sydney do this a couple times. You'd be sitting over there. Okay, draw something. Yes. You draw whatever you want to draw. Sydney's sitting here. He draws the same thing you just drew. Yeah. And he didn't see 
He what did, was on the paper? That, he did that with he did that with Ernie, and, and he did that with Bob Facuto. Yes, our engineer. Exactly. Yes, and I took pictures as I was shaking because I could and not it, believe. That, and and we've known Sydney for a long time. Yeah, we have no clue how he does. This. He's a musical mentalist. He just does it. He was born with this power. Well, and the musical part comes in. He will also occasionally bring in a keyboard. Think of a song. Oh, yes. He starts playing the song you're thinking of. <laughs> no way. Yes. Way. <laughs> yes. That's cool. He is. He did that on a New Year's Eve in he here. And we had a bunch of musicians going, whoa, again, witchcraft. Yeah. This is really weird. We have no clue how he does this. And he's so unassuming. He's like, well, yeah. 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 I knew that you were it's you just, were singing Neil yeah. Diamond in your head. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. you're not. How did you know that? I don't want people peeking into the jukebox in my head. <laughs> no. In your case, it's Jerry Lee Lewis. Well, you know, he's probably yeah. going to start playing that. Um, so he's going to join us next week. I think he's got some shows coming up he'll tell us about. And a, a lot of listeners just learned about Sydney by mm-hmm. listening to our show and said, yeah, he's also the best dressed man in all of Chicago. Yeah, there is Hands that. Hands down. Man yeah. has an awesome wardrobe, really. And Tom Appel, the uh, publisher of Consumer Guide, will be joining us, too, yes. <laughs> and uh, sharing some uh, some thoughts on some of the new vehicles that he's been road testing. Right, right. I'm just thinking about the New Year's Eve with Tom and Sydney in the same studio. Mm-hmm. Those were great gatherings of people because we would have Corky Siegel, the Empty Pockets, Sydney, Tom Appel, Wayne Jancic. You know, mm-hmm. anybody who was out on New Year's Eve or didn't want to go out but knew it was safe to come here to hang out with well, us. Well, and I will never forget the year. And this was when we were broadcasting from the Showcase Studio in the Tribune Tower. Oh, yeah. New Year's Eve. Those darn accordions. No, that was 4th of July. Was that 4th of July? 3rd of July, yes. I thought we had them both times. No, it was 3rd into the 4th. But if you can imagine 12 accordion players in the showcase studio playing Led Zeppelin. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember it was the 4th of July because people were coming from the fireworks display over uh, along the lakefront, and we had this massive crowd of people. And unlike on uh, on New Year's Eve, where Michigan Avenue might be partially closed down for mm. the number of people that come down for the fireworks, it wasn't. So we had this overflow crowd that was all the way off the curb and yeah. into the street watching those darn accordions, and they were playing to the audience out mm-hmm. there. They were facing the crowd, and they were these crazy... 1950s the women are in tutus and cat eye glasses and the guys are wearing leopard jackets and just what you would expect yeah, of those down accordions it was like seven accordionists playing led zeppelin mm-hmm. it was really very cool yeah <laughs> well there we go so, oh listener wants to know if we're gonna have ronnie rice on soon yeah you know, we, we, it's funny you should say that i was just thinking about ronnie and it's been too long since we've had ronnie on the show i so, suspect he was yeah. at cornerstone of rock tonight of course he was yeah because he's yeah. been uh, very very popular and uh <laughs> i have to laugh. so ronnie if you're listening uh yeah let's it's, it's we might have to long. pick him up and bring him here yeah <laughs> Because he'll be so lost trying to find his way here. So lost. God bless him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ronnie yeah. would call us from the road and say, I think I'm getting Ron- close. Ronnie defines ADD. <laughs> he really does. And we say that with and love. We, we love Ronnie. Ronnie yeah. is a dear, he's, he's dear He's a part friend. of our family. He, is, he yeah. really is. Ronnie is extended family, absolutely. 
So it's been too long since we've had him in. So let's, let's do think that. about. Uh, well, once we get into April, we'll no longer have um, a, sports as a lead in. Oh, but also that reminds me. Is it going to be because in about uh, what uh, a month, month or two, mm-hmm. we're going to be segueing down to the Florida Panhandle and be doing about a month worth of shows down there, right? And From the WKGC uh, studios, yeah, on the Panhandle, and I can't wait for our pictures en route to the studio, and people will say. They're not the same as Chicago. No, no, because it's Florida. And it's a small town. And it's on the Gulf of Mexico. It's very different than what you see here. There's no Drake Hotel. There's water, yes. But but what's cool is sometimes when we're down there, like I remember some of the pictures we put up when the uh, uh, it was the bike. Uh, oh, yeah, bike week. For Th- Thunder on the beach. Right. What, would you have 75,000 motorcycles? Something like, yeah. 75,000 motorcycles came to town. It's just nothing but a low rumble of white noise from the moment yeah. they come into town for about five days. We could sit on our front porch and just hear this slow rumble. Yeah, if you get migraines constant. easy, you don't want to be down there. Nah, though. it's actually, it's, oh, it's comforting. Yeah. It's, it's quiet. <laughs> it's a quiet, loud sound. We want to hang out with uh, James for a couple minutes, mm-hmm. so uh, stick around and see what happens next on WGN. So who writes your headlines, James? I wrote that. I love that. Bupkis. <laughs> Bupkis. You don't hear that in many newscasts, James. <laughs> I haven't. The word just came to me. Yeah. <laughs> and any chance to use the word bupkis? Why not? Yes. There you go. So how did you spell it? Because I, I looked it up quickly to see how it's spelled. Is it B-U-P-K-I-S? Yes. Yeah, one S. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Because I originally put it in Butkus, and I got all this Dick Butkus yeah. stuff that came up, and I'm like, no, Butkus. that's not the word. It's a B-U-P, yes. not a T. So, so I have to ask you, we had the, the experience Friday. We had early morning appointments, got up Friday, went out, beautiful day, all, you know, fake spring, warm temperatures, nice. Then by the time we got home at night, snow and ice and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What was your Friday like? Because you always post uh, pictures as you're leaving the station. And what did you go through between morning and evening? Well, when I left, everything was still fine. I got home. Um, I worked out in the morning because I knew that there was snow coming later. Uh, So then after a nap during the middle of the day, woke up, uh, got my son from the bus stop, and everything was still sunny. And then went over to my parents for pizza night and... Looked out the window and it was snowing. The ground, the grass was all covered mm. in snow. It's crazy. And cold. It got and really cold. cold. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, key question. Thin crust? Um, it was just a regular, the regular crust. We don't like that super thin, crisp, uh, crispy, but then you can only take deep dish so many times. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, especially when, with kids, because I'm thinking deep dish can get kind of messy because they got to eat it with a fork, and it's not the same as you know just picking it up and cramming it in your mouth. Well, my parents actually get the kids a separate pizza. Oh, they get, do they? They get, they get theirs from Domino's. Oh. <laughs> the rest of us get the good stuff. Oh, <laughs> you know what? The kids probably are very, very happy yeah, with what they yeah, get for sure. And, and it, 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 this is, I guess, grounds for fighting in some places. In triangles or in tavern squares? You know what I'm talking about? Cutting it in yeah. pie, pie pieces or in squares? I prefer the triangles. Oh, no. 
Sometimes, though, when uh, we order a pizza, like Fridays did come in squares. Mm -hmm. That's the American way. (laughs) That's the way God meant for it to be. Because then you get all those great little tiny, crunchy triangles around the edge. I do do pick through. I do pick out those little triangles. See? And I guess that that's called a tavern cut. And I guess mm-hmm. Chicago is kind of known for that. In other parts of the country, you go to New York, you get a pie, a piece of pie. So it's in a triangle. Hmm. See, folks, you learn this stuff by listening to the radio on Saturday night. Yeah. And James apparently drew the, the short straw because hey, Gabe is not well. Yeah, Gabe has been battling a little bit of a virus for a while and it finally got the better of him. Well, Gabe was here last Saturday night and I thought there was a chihuahua loose in the studio (laughs) we heard this barking (laughs) it was this crazy barking off in the distance and i thought someone brought their dog and ron said no that's gabe (laughs) and so it was just coming on then (laughs) yeah i got the call uh earlier today that gabe lost his voice so yeah hoping he gets some rest and gets better yeah well i guess he lost his voice on the air last night and it's not like he could call anybody at three in the morning so he kind of I guess he muddled his way through, and, and he was also very uncomfortable, yeah. mm-hmm. which is understandable. So what is uh, doing overnights tonight due to your weekend schedule? Well, I had to uh, just take a nap for a few hours, and then when I get home, I'll take a few more hours uh, before spending the day with the family. Another afternoon nap before coming back in uh, Sunday night. or Yeah, Sunday night. Mm. And then I get back on my schedule of sleeping while the kids are in school. Yeah. Now, do you sleep in one continuous shift, or you do a couple of shifts a day? Um, normally during the week, it's just one shift while the kids are at school. I get six hours, and Ooh, I'm good. Yeah. But on the weekends, it is split. Yeah. At weekends were always really hard for me. Oh, yeah. Especially because we always got off work on Friday morning because mm-hmm. we always started our week on Sunday night the way it should be if yep. you have to work the third shift. Uh, because as you're driving home on Friday, you're going, ha ha, suckers, I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> when everybody are, else is coming you in. You got another day. <laughs> uh, but we could never, ever master in almost 30 years, we could never master any more than a couple of hours, get up for a couple hours, get a couple hours two short shifts a day and after you know you get to the weekend and you're just really not firing on all cylinders <laughs> unlike the way we are now well <laughs> you know i wouldn't I, I used to say i'm glad i'm not doing brain surgery you people wouldn't want me because i'm i'm really i'm not all together there yeah, it Don't, took a while to get a routine down yeah and our routine was sleep for two or three hours in the morning get up all afternoon work on the show in the afternoon and then but then if we didn't get our evening nap from about uh, roughly six six thirty ish till about nine in the that evening was it. if we didn't get our evening nap we were crabby <laughs> yeah and but that didn't stop us from coming to work and being crabby. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, James, it's always a pleasure to have you to work with. I enjoy following you on Facebook because I lo- you have the, a gorgeous family. And I love the fact that you share them because they're just adorable. And they all signed waivers saying it was okay for you to share their life, right? Yeah. You know, it brings a smile to my face. I figure other people could use a smile too absolutely and and i love the pictures that you post every night when you're uh every, every when morning you're doing over overnights yeah and right. every morning as you're leaving here gives me an idea what the day is going to be like yeah so thanks a bunch james sure thing uh by the way quick reminder next week uh, we will be here starting at ten thirty. so a uh, shorter show next week and also next week sydney friedman 
will be joining us, the musical mentalist, and he'll be in studio with us, and Tom, Tom Appel. Appel. And the following week, our buddy Will Byington, our mm-hmm. photographer friend, he's going to stop by because, uh, by popular demand, he's going to be offering more Photography classes, mm-hmm. right? Phonography? That always sounds wrong. I, for, I forget which one. Phon- I like to say photography because phonography yeah. makes me think of pornography. But it's how to use your, your cell phone camera. And he taught us some great things the last time he was yep. in here. If you look at our, our, our driving to and from work pictures, you'll see hyperlapsed videos. That's something that Will taught us. Mm-hmm. And I'd had my phone for years and never knew I could do that. Also, in a couple weeks, we're going to have an old friend of this radio station join us. Ed Curran's going to be joining us. Oh, that's right. You see Ed Curran on Channel 2. And uh, it's been too long since we've uh, hung out with Ed, and uh, he has right. he has an interesting story that we're going to want to share with you. Yes, and let me quickly mention that on the sixteenth, the night Saturday night, the sixteenth, leading into St. Patrick's Day, that whole weekend is going to be St. Patrick's weekend. I suspect they'll even be dying the river on Saturday. Uh, that evening, we're going to have a woman in here, a blues oh, yes. singer from Ireland. She's it, hardcore it, blues, and we're. We're working like crazy to try and find out the correct pronunciation. I'm going with Grana. Grana. G-R-A-I-N-N-E. Grana Duffy is her name. Terrific talent. Yes. I'm I'm so excited because she's she's, very, she's going to be at Martyrs. She's going to be at Rosa's. She's going to be speaking at the Irish Cultural Arts Center. Mm-hmm. And there's a hole in her schedule, and she's going to be in the studio with us. She's going to bring her guitar in yeah. here and hang out and pick a little bit. Speaking of bringing guitars in... Uh, the update for those of you that have been following along since we posted the Tommy Emanuel videos and in particular the uh, Tommy Emanuel Beatles medley mm-hmm. and we only posted it oh, let's see uh, three weeks ago as of this moment 81,000 views you have to look at the analytics when we get home are 70,000 of those from Australia? I, I don't know. <laughs> Good, no. Last time you checked uh, the analytics. Uh, the oh, it was lot, crazy. Japan? We, we have um, the, on our blog. That's where we see the analytics. Right. And by the way, uh, please check out our blog. And you will find that at stevenjohnny.wordpress.com. S-T-E-V-E-A-N-D-J-O-H-N-N-I-E.wordpress.com. We would love it if you would subscribe to that. We don't spam you. It doesn't cost you anything. You just get an email whenever we have a new blog post. And we put some fun stuff up there. But that's where we see the analytics. And Russia? literally, oh, unit, Russia, the Netherlands, Croatia, uh, England, uh, Serbia. Japan really came in hot and yeah. heavy behind Australia with the, the viewers. And sometimes I, I, I literally will look at the list and I'll say, where is that country? Yeah. I've never heard of that place. Yeah. We had people from Iceland mm-hmm. that were clicking on those videos, which is really, I don't know that we've ever had Iceland Oops. chime in. Oops. I know. The blue lights are flickering, and, and I think I hear the Zamboni in the background. Yep. Which means uh, it is time for the last call. It sure if is. you would like to be our last caller and win some goodies. From this here radio station, as long, long as, you as you have, have not, not won, won anything, anything in the past two months, okay? 
If you want to give us a call, 312- We don't have a script. We just know that these are the words to live by. 312-981-7200. That number again, 312-981-7200. If you would like to be our last caller. This is not a quiz. No one's going to ask you any hard questions. We just want you to be, as I like to say, the cherry on top of our five-hour show. Mm-hmm. So, again, feel no pressure. You just need to be charming and delightful. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and make more sense than we do. <laughs> and, and and just tell us what your world is like these days. And we will chat for a few minutes, and then we will send you off with a couple of really nice prizes from our prize list. Yeah, so 312-981-7200. If you would like to be our last caller, uh, that's the number you should call right now. More coming up. All right, people. It's time to go home. Yeah, I Yep. Yeah. Losing time. Losing time. Head on out. Head on. So, let's go. Let's go. You don't have to go home. Yeah, you really kind of do. But you can't stay here. Can't stay here. And you can't hear the rest of the song either. Nope. So there. And that is, again, for, for those of you who don't know, that is Red Peters, and it's called The Closing Song. You can find it if you go to our blog... On uh, WordPress, you will find the uh, a link to the complete version of that song. But we are never, ever, ever going to play the complete version of that song on the radio. That's another thing you get if you subscribe to our blog. We play probably a dozen pieces of music throughout the show, sometimes a lot more mm-hmm. than that. And we, at Steve, I should say, goes to the trouble of putting up links to every piece of music you hear, except for Red Peters. At one time, you yes. put that up there yep. by popular demand. Uh, but if you hear a little piece of a song, you go, oh, Oh, it's stuck in my head. You can go to the blog and find out what that song was, and you can actually yep. see it and hear it for yourself. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know what? I think because he's been filling in tonight and yes. working so hard, tonight we should uh, we <laughs> should let our, our guest producer, our producer du jour, yes. Colin McCarthy, gets to pick the last caller. Which number are we going to? So, choose a number. Um, I think three. Number three okay. is the number Let's Mr. Colin to. McCarthy has chosen. Number three. Yes. Okay, number not that we, three. Not that we put any more pressure on him. Just answer those phone calls. Play those commercials. Come on, man. <laughs> number three would be Jane. Hi, Jane. Hello, Jane. This is Johnny. Hi. Hi. No, I'm Johnny. You're Jane. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to talk with you. It's such an honor. Oh, thank oh. you, Jane. Well, where are you calling I've been from? Calling every week, hoping to get on. Oh my goodness! Thanks. Where are you calling from? Right outside of Milwaukee. I worked in Waukesha, right up the road from West Paul oh. Drive, and it was just—I just retired after fifty years on the job. What? Same job, same what employer. A, fifty years. What did you do? I worked in a doctor's office. I oh worked for my a father, gosh. and then he passed away, and I worked for the son. I worked forty-four years full time, six years part time. That's impressive. It, it, well, you I know it is. It too. Yeah, it really. You so you started as a kid in that office. I started when I was five. <laughs> yes. Wow. And you knew where all the bodies were buried. <laughs> you could write the book. You yeah. were a lifeline to those people, and that often happens where they finally realize how valuable you are. So when you get ready to leave, they go, "No, can you come back part time?" Yeah. That happened I to did. my that mother. Was, that was the whole thing. Right? Yes, I did. Um, 
I came back and I do I did all the insurance for the office. I worked for plastic surgeons. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I never had anything done. <laughs> oh, I was going to say you you had an in with somebody, but no, you didn't. But nope. see, see nope. now if they ask you to come back, you 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 say yes, but I'm going to charge you a consultant's fee. Yes. Yes, that's right. That's right. And I wanted to tell you, what did you say tonight? You usually, say this call will be the cherry on the sun. on top of our five hour show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Five hour show. That's me tonight. <laughs> that's you. Yes. But you talk- I talked with you some about twenty years ago when I listened to you every night. And really, I love you too. Oh, oh well, thank you. You're so sweet to say. Well, how that. did you work during the day if you were listening at night? Oh yeah, you just put me to sleep, but I listened a lot. <laughs> you started at two, right? For, for a while, we started, we started at two, but yes. then. Then uh, we started at 1, and then we started, started at, at 11. We were on from 11 at night till 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Um, we, we had many people that would wake up with us at 3 o'clock in the morning to start their day. And sometimes we would wake up. <laughs> if we were lucky. And Orion used to come on. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and Max. He's from Wisconsin. I always had to hear. But I loved hearing your entrance song. I have to listen to that every Saturday night Oh, well, thank you yes, so much. I love you guys. Yeah. Well, that's oh. Very sweet. It's nice to know that you're out there and you're still uh, up in the Milwaukee area. I am right outside of Menominee Falls, and I worked in Waukesha. Now you sound wide awake. Uh, What is what's your Sunday going to be like now? Oh, we're going to go to our niece's hot soccer game, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's about it. It's going to be kind of cold tomorrow, and it's going to be a nice day to be in. Well, wait wait, wait a minute. It's going to be again in the upper 50s. Yeah, but up in Milwaukee, maybe a little cooler. I don't think here it's going to be quite that warm. It's supposed to get warm this week, but I don't think yet tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to have like fake spring number four or five? Yeah. (laughs) It keeps messing with us. I'm one of those people that love winter and snow, so I'm kind of disappointed with this winter. (laughs) Oh my gosh. There are people yelling at the radio no i know i know they think i'm crazy <laughs> i am just so so excited to talk with you because i've been, call- I've been calling for the last six weeks <laughs> oh you're so <laughs> well sweet. then you have to thank mr colin mccarthy for choosing you because he chose yes. number three and that happened to be oh, you made my night yes and we never know who's behind the those phone numbers and so. your part of wisconsin is such a nice area we, we've been up there several times i think last Love time it. we were up there was for a uh uh, a road rally that we did with the Midwest Automotive Media. No, the last time we were there, we were at the Discovery Center, that gorgeous place right oh, on the yeah, lake. That's right. That is yes, a gorgeous yes, museum. Yes. That we, there, we were there for uh, one of the Les Paul exhibits. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's pretty popular around you here. You think? Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, well, I just have to tell you quick yeah. my parents and my brother and sister, they were all born and raised in Chicago. My dad was transferred up here just before I was born. Big White Sox fan. Good. Bears fan, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not too happy with, not White Sox, but the Cubs, because they took our wonderful manager away from us. Oh, well, uh, money yeah, talks. Business, and, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that, still that, root for the White Sox. Good. Good. I've got faith. Uh, I was worried on Friday because I looked at Steve and I said, I feel like I'm watching a Little League game. This is not good. They've got to do better than they did last year. I don't know. And I was devastated. I picked up the Saturday paper and sometimes there's a really nice sports wraparound. And there was this article, an interview with Liam Hendricks. And I looked at Steve and I said, wait, you mean he's gone too? Hendricks is gone. Uh, Tim Anderson is gone. I was devastated. (laughs) I'm thinking, will I know anybody? No. (laughs) I know. 
Well, well, there are some of the people that, that you're well, Gordon know. is there. Yeah. Yeah. We have a good huh. team up here, too, I have to admit. Yeah, oh, gosh, you do. Fan, so. Sure. That's okay, too. <laughs> That's okay, too. Yes. Oh, it's just such an honor to talk with you. Oh, bless your heart. We're going to send you a WGN Radio 100th Anniversary logo T-shirt. And and we're going to send you your very own American Weathermakers Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing, the 60-Minute Men, your own desktop weather station. That's what I've been wanting. Oh, well, good. And if you can use it, we have a very, very, we have tickets to a very, very popular show. Now, the show is in Glencoe, not too far from you. I mean, it's a little drive south of the border, but this show is a Tony Award-winning musical, The Band's Visit, and it is so popular that it's been extended into the end of March, but if you'd like tickets, we have a pair of tickets we'd be glad to give you tonight. And it's again, it's called The Band's Visit at the Writers Theater in Glencoe. So you can think about oh that gosh. and talk to Colin. That sounds fabulous. Yes. Um, I don't know about that. We have one daughter. She lives up in Minnesota. We have a couple trips planned in March to see oh. our grandkids. But well, good, good I just for have you. To tell Steve, when he said my name, I thought. Is he really? Did they really say I'm on the air? <laughs> I know how that feels too, being on that side. You're like, uh, 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 I don't I know, know my name. I know. I know. Yes, it's been I a did pleasure. Call the last day I retired, I did get on the um, the bright side of life. Did with, you, um, John, John Williams. Williams? Yeah, but that was way back when. I just, yeah. you know, I was so proud. Yeah. Oh, of course. And that's a fun show. I love that feature where people just get to say something positive. I do, too. And that was my last day of work. Oh, cool. Well, hang on. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, So hold on for a couple seconds and we'll get a little bit of uh, information from you off the air. And uh, boy, this has been a fast five hours. It has been. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm looking at the text coming in. Thank you all for your kind words. Uh, for uh, those of you who said, "Yay, we had you for five whole hours." At the beginning of the show, I wasn't convinced I had it in me for five hours. I said to Steve, "You better be ready for this because I'm feeling a little tired." But it's been great. It's been so much fun. And, and again, next week, uh, shorter show. We start at ten thirty. Yes, yes, yes. But we will have the musical metalist Sydney Friedman and and. Consumer Guides publisher, Tom Appel, our our cars. Our car guru. Uh, And our thanks to Ron Brown on the newsroom and James Sears for coming in tonight. Nice to see him. Our thanks to Colin McCarthy for picking up on the other side of the glass. For Julian, who's listening, because he, you know, he's got to spend his Saturday night with us. And thanks to uh, the keeper of the big plug, Bob Fukuda, for uh, keeping the big plug plugged in. (laughs) Yes, and thank you all for tuning in, too. We'll see you right back here next Saturday night.